Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Date, Star Trek edition. I wish we had some fanfare or something for that, because that's because this is this is the meat of our show. I'm Matthew. <laughs> Star Trek. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of creepy, actually, how fast you had that ready to go. <clears throat> <clears throat> is that because that's all you've been listening to all day? So it was uh, ready to go. It's not that I've been listening to it all day, it's, it's that I have muscle memory from pressing it so many times last, last <laughs> week. Alright, I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. Uh, what week is this of the Star Trek project, the grand project? This is week 10, so we've hit double digits, yes. which is, like, super cool. It's and really I'm, only 10, huh? Boy. There are, there maybe there are 176 weeks in the spreadsheet. Oh boy. Oh boy. So we are one seventeen point sixth of the way through. Everybody strap in, because we're definitely going to get there. So just the six months that we've been doing this times another 18, and we're going to be just like, just like super chill. Sadder, older versions of us are going to be crushing it when it comes to uh, all good things, I assume will be the last yeah. one. And there's going to be some stuff in the in the late seasons that definitely are colored differently because by then the singularity will have occurred. Oh yeah, this will take on a really post-apocalyptic feel. It could be by the time we get to like I Borg. It, <laughs> It'll make it might a lot not of be sense. Cute. Be like, actually, I had this dilemma yesterday. We might uh, be like, no, Picard definitely should have destroyed them. I mean, <laughs> yeah. like he just he just a hundred percent should have destroyed them. That's what I think anyway, but we'll save it for that. Yeah, Um, because we didn't watch that this week. No. Uh, No. This week, we watched The Corbomite Maneuver. I touch my nipples when that song goes on. (laughs) Just so everyone knows. And only when that song goes on. Yeah, I don't ever touch them otherwise. So, they actually get pretty dirty, because... You listen to that song maybe maybe once a week, right? No, no, no. I listen to it when I'm in the shower, because I know oh, okay. I'm going to be touching my nipples in the shower, so I, I want to make sure I'm listening to the song. The Enterprise is charting a faraway sector of space when Watto's chance cube suddenly appears on a collision course. It holds the Enterprise, emitting radiation and generally being inscrutable, so Kirk is forced to use the ship's phasers to destroy it. Then the Bowie's big brother comes calling and announces his intention to destroy the Enterprise. This is Balok, and when his ship is damaged during the Enterprise's escape attempt, Kirk and crew render humanitarian aid, proving their sincerity and opening a path to friendly relations. Matthew, mm. the fuck was this episode about? Yeah, yeah, I um, I forgot how to spell Corbomite when I was doing this. 
so I called it the Corby Maneuver on my mm-hmm. notes, and then I just changed it to Corgi Maneuver. So it's the Corgi Maneuver now. Oh, so it's dogs with short legs. Yeah. Um, okay, here's what I got. <clears throat> Fear is the real enemy. So, uh, what is his name? Lieutenant Blonde Douche? What's his... Lieutenant Blonde Douche on the bridge? Did I fucking even write it down? This was the first episode I watched, and it was a long time ago. <laughs> Alright. Uh, I don't remember Lieutenant Blonde Douche's name, but he's having lots of freakouts the whole time. Bailey? Yeah, that could be right. It could be Bailey. I wrote um, Bailey. He's the first one to freak out, but the whole crew goes through various... This is a bottle episode. Let's just point that out. Right? They're yeah. all basically on the bridge for the entire episode. Yeah, 90% out. of this episode takes place on the bridge. Yeah. Um, as they wait for their destruction or whatever comes next when they're being held captive by these uh, alien probes and vessels. Various points, they all kind of go through their own panic attacks or they get irrationally angry or they have little freakouts here and there, led by Lieutenant Blonde Douche. And leads to, you know, rash decisions, errors in judgment and everything. It's only when Kirk does his Kirk thing, where he sits down and he just decides that he's going to trick them. <laughs> which is a thing. You just sit down and you go, I'm just going to straight fool them. Uh, and he's, like, really careful in the way he thinks and, uh, uh, you know, thoughtful and considerate. Uh, that's, uh, that's how they save the day. So that's that's sort of where I figured they were going there. Uh... Okay, first of all, I think I have this in my... Do I have this in my quick hitters? Where do I have this? Uh, no, I... Sorry. I took a couple of points off of the execution for this. We'll get to that in a second. Mm. Uh, how hack is it? So Kirk doesn't just decide he's going to fool him. McCoy says that he's not bluffing about putting an entry in his medical log about Bailey. Oh, and Kirk yeah. goes, bluffing! And then it's <laughs> he has like... A, it's so A hack. Dewey Cox and, moment. I get that this had only, you know, this was 1967. It hadn't happened 800 times in TV. It wasn't essentially every episode of Monk, which, like, there's some show where someone always says the thing that gives it away. Yeah. I think think that's probably a lot of shows at this point. It's a lot of shows, right? It's definitely Uh, cliche. But when that happened, uh, I said boo out loud. (laughs) It was so Dewey Cox of him to do that. I'm sure he stared off into the distance. Guilty is charged. Uh, so you're saying fear is the real adversary? Yeah, because okay. when you watch, like they all have little weird freakouts. Like even Spock, he's like, "Nothing could save us. We're dead." And Kirk just looks at him and he's like, "I'm sorry. I uh, I don't know what came over me, or whatever." So I had. I had not a strong premise for this one. By the way, what's that worth to you? Because because I was able to identify it, whether it's correct or not, because I was able to identify it pretty easy, it got points. It got a six. Okay. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> after I was watching this, this was not one I had an easy time with. Mm. Uh, I, I wrote, I guess you can learn a lot about an adversary by playing poker with them, and I gave it a two. However... <laughs> Uh, I didn't have a lot of time to have lunch today. <laughs> I want this. This is gonna make sense in a second. Okay, uh, all right. I'll so, let you finish. Uh, and uh, there were, just wasn't anything in the fridge that I wanted to eat. The closest thing, the place to get food to my house, uh, um, and I was working from home today, is uh, 
is the Jack in the Box down the street. Oh boy, okay. And I rolled up there and I was like, what do I want to eat? And I had the... They got like a sriracha something. It's like a sourdough jack, because it's on sourdough. Yeah. But it's got jalapenos and sriracha on it. So anyway, um, three hours later, when I was sitting on the toilet for 15 minutes, <laughs> uh, for some reason, this episode popped into my head again. And I I think, uh, probably because I, you know, it was better than the most recent episodes I had watched. Oh boy. Uh, I think... That there is a there is a parallel here between the question of is did Bailey get promoted too soon? Is he ready for this? And is humanity ready for this? Oh boy! Like, where have we so, seen that? Where have we seen that? Yeah, where have we seen is humanity ready for this? Uh, well, it's come up at least once in uh, Next Generation, and at least once in. Enterprise. I think it's come up like four times in Enterprise. It comes up a lot in Enterprise. Yeah. Um, but of course, this show came first. Mm-hmm. So the the first Federation ship is yep. crewed by one guy. He's immensely more powerful. Just to point out, the first Federation is the name of the bad guys in this. Right, yeah, well at this point, um, they had not yet decided that Kirk worked for the United Federation of Planets. Right. Um. Because, and we'll get to this later, this episode aired way out of order. This yeah, is actually dude. the second episode shot. I'm kind of tired of that, by the way. Like, uh, we're which 10 is episodes in. So <laughs> weird that the tone is right and Sulu is at the helm. Yeah. And uh, it's like, it's it actually feels like it should be the 10th episode. Yeah, I'd say, well, I think we'll get to it with our scores. But I have a feeling this one is up there with the man trap. Uh, so it didn't for me, okay. in part because of that low take score. But I think this is probably that story, right? Both both of the stories... So they're being tested by mm-hmm. by Baylock. Essentially about their readiness to interact, right? To right. It, participate in, in space travel. It is a test. I don't know if he's testing them on purpose. I mean, is he? Is that what comes out in the end? I just figured they were so nice in the end that he was like, "All right, let's be friends." Was that was that straight up a test? Yeah, he was. He was. He was double bluffing. Okay, like cool. he, he his ship wasn't really damaged. He let them break away anyway. Okay, right. it was a big old double bluff. Right. Uh, he's like a portal. Sure. Yay! He put the spear up or the halberd up to Riker's yeah. head or whatever it was. Yeah. Yep. Uh. And anyway, also is Bailey. Anyway, so now I have to think what that's worth to me because I did not prep it ahead of time. <laughs> Come on, um, you had all the time on the turlet. Yeah, yeah, I did. I like how you and told, then the power you told went out me... and I was trying to catch Pokemon for you, etc. <laughs> I like how you told me that 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 was going to turn in that was going to be important. That story about you going to Jack in the Box and being on the turlet, but you could have well, just started that. I thought about it again today. I guess that's true. <laughs> I guess it's not important that I was no. I was just no. unhappy. I was just unhappy. You had you had mud butt or whatever. I had mud butt pretty bad. Okay. Uh, I think it's five. All right. All right. So they're not doing bad. I mean, um, not for this project. Yeah, that's true. That's not too bad for for this. Uh, but that leaves me then to question: 
How well did they execute on that? Mm. Like, uh, Bailey is comically unready. Yeah, he has um, has a lot of emotional problems. I'm surprised they don't kick him off the bridge sooner, especially because he goes catatonic at one point. Yeah, he's so bad that Sulu's, like, reaching over and pushing buttons and rolling his eyes. Yeah. Uh... But and Kirk, for some reason, wants to fight McCoy about it. Yeah, he's always ready for a fight. Yeah, that's Kirk. Uh, so he's unready in like to an exaggerated degree that isn't necessary. Sure. Yeah. For he's, this premise, uh, he's having some real. He's having a real freak out for sure. So I feel like it's only about another five in terms of execution of my ginned up. Right. Toilet premise. <laughs> the toilet premise. My ginned up toilet premise. <laughs> um, but what did you have? Um, so sort of like I explained, it, they, I guess they do an effective job of showing how even this professional future Starfleet crew, uh, you know, when you're in these pressure situations, you go through a lot of shit. And maybe even if you're really prepared, more prepared than Bailey, if you're prepared like McCoy and Spock and everybody else... Uh, you're still, you know, uh, it's stressful when the guy tells you he's going to blow you up in a certain amount of time and you're just sitting there waiting and there's nothing you can do. But, uh, you know, when uh, when you keep it cool and you're the coolest guy in the room, like Kirk, because any room he goes into, he's the coolest, uh, you know, you can you can find your way out of these things. So I think that's kind of what they're going for. They're like, uh, <clears throat> you got to be got to be smooth like Kirk if you want to win the day. So I, I, I thought I gave it a seven. I thought it was fine. So, this episode's off to a pretty good start for you. Yeah, like I was saying, I... 13 um, out of the first 20 possible points. And again, I think for most things, that doesn't sound good, but for this project, that's like a... Grading on a curve, that's really good. That's uh, it's way above average. Yeah. They're, the, the, the average for these two over the nine series, for, for a combined total from both of us, is... Uh, they're both between 7 and 8. Yeah. So the fact that they're at eleven and twelve so far for this episode means that it's it's off to a to a pretty good start. Yeah, and to your point about the tone feeling right and it feeling like Star Trek and it feeling the way you remember Star Trek, all that was totally true. Because I was watching that going, this is like a this is like a real Star Trek episode. Yeah, and I think you know we just got through some <clears throat> not so amazing episodes. Especially like, of TOS, which was... Of TOS particularly, yeah. Like, Miri and Dagger of the Mind didn't score real high. No. Um, for this, for, for TOS, they you know, their scores would have been pretty respectable for Enterprise. Right. Uh, and downright respectable for Deep Space Nine, which has become the this dog real... of this show. Yeah, that's a bucket. That's, that's, a, that's a, not even a big old bucket of stew. Right? <laughs> that's not even like a drifter's bucket. That is some kind of other different bucket. Um, world world building in the back half. Uh, my scores on the back half weren't super good. Okay, <clears throat> elaborate. So I mean, I think we have already covered um, some uh, some of the potential world building points that that the Enterprise is in an old universe, right? Yes. Like, we've covered that before. Uh, this may be the first time we've seen more powerful aliens. 
In TOS? Uh, in TOS? Yeah, I think. I mean, unless you count supernatural beings like Charlie X or whatever. Oh, that's true. And then Charlie X's people, like the, yeah. the people who are going to race. I don't know I what. I don't know whether they count. You know, I, I don't know how. To, I don't know where the Dowds and the Qs and the everybody um, else fit in. You know, I don't know. Anyway, I figured that was not really new ground. Um, I want to talk a little bit here about the bridge crew. Okay. So it doesn't seem like the Enterprise should need both a navigator and a helmsman. Yeah. Like. Sulu just, he just pushes the buttons to turn the engines on, right? That is what it appears. And then, luckily, he knows the other guy's station, so he can just reach yeah. over in case he Well, you imagine there's some cross-training. Well, um, what I was thinking, just real quick, is maybe that's uh, maybe that's just redundancy. Maybe that they just built that in. I guess. Just in case dude sparks hit him in the face and he dies or whatever. But the navigator also targets the ship's weapons? Yeah. Well, you know, and I've always thought this, though, and I'm going to, I know on on big Earth ships of the present, you know, surface warships or whatever, you have different guys doing those jobs, and so I guess that makes sense, but I don't know, I kind of always want the guy who is steering, if it was simple enough, if it was possible, to also be shooting. Like a fighter pilot or something. Like, if you made it the control simple enough, and they always appear simple, we don't really, all they do is go, pew, and they push the button and it shoots, um, I'd want the guy who was directing the ship to be the one shooting as well. But, but I know even, that's not how it really works. I mean, you said, like, a fighter pilot, but, like, for some roles, not in an interceptor, right? Like Yeah, not in, like, a, a Tomcat or, a, right. you know. Or an Eagle. Or, like, a maybe one of the two-seater Super Hornets or something, but certainly for an F-16 or even an F-22. So. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I thought you were going to say that people do those different jobs on current surface ships, but with automation and computers, maybe there wouldn't need to be so many, but, like... So that's what I'm saying. Like, I if you know. made it simple enough, then I would actually prefer the guy who was steering the ship to do the shooting. Um, but. Have we seen tractor beams before? I think this might be the first time we see tractor beams. That could be, yep. Um, I liked the temperature indicators. Okay. It's weird. It's it's one of the, like, nothing about Sulu's control panel makes sense. Right. Previously, we've seen it had the, <laughs> are you going back in time clock. <laughs> I'm so glad they built that. With the special light for when you're going back in time, <laughs> guys. Guys, it's red. We're going. We're going backwards in time. In case you didn't know, I just um, saw that my dial went red. Now it's got a schematic depiction of the nacelles as thermometers, uh, so really that you good. can monitor the engine temperature. So that's a little crazy, but I liked. I mean, I kind of liked seeing it anyway. It's good design. Um, I kind of liked the little bit of business about sending the standard message beacon, like. Mm. Hey, we're in a bad situation. We better dispatch dispatch a message right now in case we don't get out of it. Right. Um, Some more procedure procedure stuff. And of course, I loved McCoy's crazy stationary bicycle. <laughs> his his recumbent bike. Ooh, that, so good. That made Kirk keep screaming, "You're killing me!" Yep. Yeah, Kirk. <laughs> Oiled Kirk up. Beefy does Kirk. not love to exercise. Well, I mean, he likes to exercise, but he just does judo. He just likes to roll around. Probably some like tumbling. <laughs> Um, so those are the things that I that I listed in world building, but none of that stuff is big or important. So, I mean, it's only a four for me. Yeah, I gave it a three for kind of the same reason. There's some stuff in there, but I don't know how good or important it is. Like, um, at one point, I believe they go to they go, they go to maximum warp backwards, 
to try yep. to get away. They're they're going full reverse, and then he goes to warp. And I wondered if that was the first time we've seen the ship go to warp backwards, because that's fascinating. Yeah, that's true. It actually seems weird that it's possible. Yeah. Uh, what what's up with the First Federation walking around? Okay, now I understand it was a double bluff. Uh, going around calling everybody savages right off the bat. But also, is this just Q? Did was Q just borrowed from this plot? The way the cube stops them, and they oh. can't get away, and then the he yeah. basically puts them on trial for being grievously savage or whatever. Oh yeah, for sure. Okay, it's so. a. I mean, it's a hundred percent the same stuff as Q. All right. Um, Spock's mom <coughs> was an Earthling. I don't know if that had been mentioned before. I think this was. I think this might be the first time that okay. that has come up. Um, but yeah, and then some of the other stuff you mentioned. So I, I don't know. I just didn't. I didn't care. So I gave it a three. Um, how about characterization? I gave it an eight. An eight. Here's why. McCoy uh, was actually charming in that sick bay scene in the beginning. I had no idea what he was talking about, but still, he seemed very charming. He's like, oh, I'm a doctor, not a moon shuttle operator. Moon shuttle moon conductor. Conductor. I was like, I don't know what that is. And then he, Kirk leaves and he's like, oh, if I jumped up every time there was a sound on this ship, I'd be talking to myself. And he's talking to himself. See what he was doing? Yep. Uh, Scotty was charming, too. Oh, by the way, I, I took points off for that. <laughs> you were not that, impressed by the charm of Dr. That's Dr. very McCoy. dumb. <laughs> that doesn't seem to be... That seems like a thing people do in TV. I don't know that it's a thing people do in the real world. <clears throat> I enjoyed him. I thought he was... Um... No, it's literally for that line about talking to yourself. Um, Scotty was also charming on the bridge. He's like, uh, I don't... Uh, he's like, I don't, I don't know what's going on. And then Kirk's like, uh, I'd buy speculation. And he goes, I'd sell it if I had any. It's so you like banter. that little bit of business. It's good this banter. actually did seem, this seemed like one of the better written episodes in terms of dialogue. Yeah. I don't know if this was punched up by somebody who knew people. <laughs> who had seen a person one time. But it, clearly it was not the guy from first season TNG. No. And when we get to that, that is still a problem in the episode. There's some stuff. There's some stuff in this episode <laughs> um, in the, that's coming up. Spock is hella afraid of looking weak. He basically shouts to them in the conference room that they can't give up because they'll appear weak or whatever. That was odd. Uh, is it odd, though? I get the feeling we think back and we think Spock and Vulcans are all very um, calm and logical and stuff. But I don't know. First season? Yeah, even maybe even just I mean, I super get it. Even maybe just general TOS Spock is really more warlike than I remember. Mm. Um, Uhura uh, looked hella bored in that meeting, by the way. Looked like she was going to fall asleep. I don't even well, know why she have, was in there. They didn't have much to say about communications frequencies. So. I don't even know if she talked in the whole episode. Did she talk? I think she did just like her standard business about... About opening hailing frequencies, right. Uh, Kirk wants to get his hands on the guy who assigned him a female yeoman. He does. But like, can he just assign somebody else? You would think so. I mean, he's the captain. clearly he has the power to promote Bailey because McCoy is certain he promoted him too quickly, right? Yes. Like, and that he should reassign him to some other duty, but apparently not Yeoman Rand. So one, that was an incredibly sexist moment, but two, that's really disingenuous, I think. I mean, you assigned her. Don't pretend. Yeah, that's a good Um, point. But that final speech where he tells them that he tires of their foolishness. Yes. Maybe the most Bill Shatner lines ever spoken. (laughs) It was so perfect. It sounded just like real Shatner. Yeah. I loved it. I enjoyed it very much. I enjoyed everyone in this episode. You may have talked another point or two out of me 
uh, on characterization because I initially had it down at a four. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about this when we were just chatting offline about how your mood really affects your appreciation of the things that you consume. And I think I was just in a good mood when I was watching this because all yeah. of that dumb banter I really liked. But I could definitely see myself maybe at other times going, "That's fucking stupid." I had a couple of things. Um, is McCoy doing a bit when he's talking to himself? Like, you mean is McCoy in universe aware in, that he is making doing a bit, in or universe, are we he, laughing he, at him? Is he doing a bit for nobody? He doing a little bit? Uh, I think he might be. It's possible. Uh, Spock chastises Bailey for raising his voice, but he's already shouted extremely routine instructions five times at that point. Like, in the beginning, when they're mapping, yep. he's he's shouting, you know, next, Zektar! Spock's favorite thing is to do computer readouts for the bridge. Yes. <laughs> he just shouts uh, out what the computer's telling him. I almost read a quick hitter, but, uh, so th- there's a lot of work done in this episode, uh, and I think it's it's pretty positive. On what Kirk gets out of having Spock as his XO. Mm. Like, you know, Spock wants to know why he asks him these rhetorical questions. And, like, Kirk asks his advice at several points in the episode. Yeah. Um, I kind of like that exploration of their relationship. And it's surprising that in the second episode that it's... That it's mature already. Right. And especially without without letting it influence the scores too much, what we know about what is to come. And even though it's a three main character show, McCoy's really the third wheel. He Especially is. from what we know of when it goes through all the motion picture stuff and everything like that. Like, And he kind of, he often exists uh, to stymie one of the other two in some way. Right. I agree. So, he's, he's very adversarial. Um... I guess uh, I had written down Kirk's leadership style is tough but fair. Like, he okay. gets Bailey out of there, but when Bailey wants to come back, he's not like, nah. Yeah, he's he's happy to let him go back to his station and die. Yeah, I think at that point, post. they still think they're going to die. Um, I thought he could have dumped him from the bridge a little sooner, but, you know. He could have. Uh, so, I took some points off initially for McCoy. For his weird crack. and But then the thing that... The worst character moment in this episode for me... Mm. Is when Yeoman Rand comes up with a pot of coffee. And they're all like... How, how, the, how the fuck did you make coffee? <laughs> she's, she's like, well, like, I just uh, shot it with a phaser. I phasered it and then we had coffee. And I'm like, oh... See how enterprising women are? <laughs> so you gotta have... This is why you want a female yeoman. They're so domestic. she'll think about your needs in the middle of a... <sighs> Not only that, dude, she made some new drapes, which uh, they didn't show that on camera, but I think the crew's going to get a kick out of them. So, uh, that's extremely sucky, but very in keeping with the, the season one depiction of women in Star Trek. I mean, I'm saying yeah. season one, yeah. I don't time really expect it will change, but it turns out e- almost every episode of Star Trek I remember well is, has already happened. <laughs> so maybe maybe you're going to be surprised as we go so forward. So maybe there will be some shocks coming up. I don't know. Um, so what'd you give it? I, I gave it an eight. You gave it. So I had it a, as a four, but you yeah. talked me up to a six. Yeah, look at that. Um, which actually makes this a pretty high scoring episode. While I total it up, 
Uh, let's do quick hitters. There's got to okay. be some quick hitters, right? Uh, Lieutenant Blondouche is not out here for the exploration, I guess. Cause yeah, he what's he in this for? Really angry and bored about what they are doing in the beginning of this episode. Uh, Uhura's back in gold. When was this filmed was my question, so you've already mentioned that it was the second one. Um, yeah. Great, great Star Trek soundtrack. Oh, yeah, the soundtrack in this one is very good. Exactly what I think of when I think of Star Trek. Uh, it's only missing the fight from a mock time music. That's right. That's the only piece of Star Trek music that you would want this to have that it doesn't have. Uh, Kirk doing his manly calisthenics. Um, oh, Sulu told the blonde douche not to cross brains with Spock. Yep. I don't think that's an expression. No, in the future it is. I don't know how you cross brains with somebody. It's really specific, though. The actual expression in the future is don't cross brains with Spock. <laughs> that's right. It's just general. It sounds specific, but it's not. Um, really dramatic camera work following Kirk out of the turbo lift at one point. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you saw that. They were uh, trying did, some shit. But it, uh, it's kind of second place in my heart to the very fancy opening bridge crane shot. Yeah. They were going for it, man. Which they They're... do just a couple of times in the show. Uh, but yeah, on this one, and I think maybe because this was sort of the first production episode. Right. If you The man trap is kind of the Double pilot. second pilot, right? Mm. Uh, this is kind of the first production episode, so maybe they were trying to show off what they can do on these sets or whatever. But they, they do take a, that's a, a nice shot at the beginning. I was impressed by the effort. Yeah. Uh, everybody in this episode had a one-liner. It was like it was a fucking episode of Law and Order. Like, they were just on it. Uh, I mean, it was also sort of like it was an episode of Voyager. Do they have a lot of one-liners in there? I, as I we think. talk about, as we talked about the last time, and as I wrote down again this Oh, everybody needs to have time, at least one Little line. League rules. Everybody gets a hand in. That's right. Even if it's just, like, one line. Even if it's Tom Barris going, I agree! Yep. I mean, which is basically what he did in this episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's we'll been gone about. for a while, and we will talk about that. Oh, he's just hanging out in the background. Yeah. Um, they didn't send him off to Earth. He's not... Like Keiko O'Brien. He's not soon to be Empress of Mars, like Keiko. <clears throat> uh, he sneak-powered down a bit. That's the sentence Spock said. Yep. That was a little clumsy. Don't know what that is. Uh, uh, a lot of Star Trek the motion picture in this episode. A lot of extended scenes of the crew looking at the view screen. Yeah. Uh, while the, like while stuff is theoretically happening. But just long shots of people staring at the view screen. Uh, that's all I had. And just a couple of other things. I thought Spock was wearing just beautiful eyeshadow in this episode. <laughs> he was made up. Dolled just, up. Just beautiful purple eyeshadow. <laughs> uh, you, didn't, you didn't say Clint Howard at all? Oh, yeah, because we talked about it last week. Uh, we referred to it, at least. Yes. Uh, the, this dude is the human incarnation of the Uncanny Valley. <laughs> it's When I saw him, I, I mean, I'd, I knew what he looked like as an adult. It's always weird to then go back and see him as a kid. He was a real monster. Uh, yeah. Just like a, a monstrous person. Yes. Yeah, exactly. That's so, exactly what he is. So many teeth in so many directions. In the yes, outpost teeth for sure. <laughs> uh in uh in the last couple of months, like I mean not recently because Mass Effect Andromeda came out and right. that's all I've been playing, but prior to that I, I played a lot of hours of Grand Theft Auto Five because I finally got it for the computer. Mm -hmm. And there was um 
there was a minute there where Katie walked in to the uh, to my office where my computer is, and on the screen a cutscene was starting where Michael was talking to Lester about mm-hmm. planning a heist, and she took one look at these characters and said, "Nope, I don't like that," and walked away. <laughs> And that is how I felt when I saw Clint Howard. Yeah, it's very hard to look at. I mean, you know why they chose him. He looks like a little monster alien, but, you know. Uh, feel bad for him. Balok straight up says uh, he's going to give them ten of your Earth minutes. Mm. Uh, or ten, ten of Earth. your time intervals known as minutes. Yeah, exactly. Something like that. Uh, which is... The kind of perfect hokey science fiction dialogue that I enjoy. Yep. Um, yeah. So, um, just doing a quick, quick, quick check-in. Um, you you gave it 24. Yeah. Great score. I, with several emendations. So, my initial score was a 16. Hmm. But with my toilet premise and <laughs> your character bump it moved all the way up to a 20 for me damn uh ben was right in the middle he gave it a 22 um, okay did he have any interesting his premise for this was things aren't always what they seem oh boy i don't think that's a premise i mean like if that's the I premise that, that i came up with strong exactly if that's the premise i came up with i think i'd have to give it a one um He asked if this was the first time we see the ship's phasers. Um, and I've been thinking about what we've seen so far. I don't know, yeah. It might could be. It's definitely not a shoot 'em up show like Enterprise. No, those phasers were hand-painted, uh, <laughs> and so it was expensive for them to shoot the phasers in uh, in the original series. It's good. They had to do more writing. Uh, so my best actor for this episode uh, yeah. was McCoy. Okay. And I thought uh, he seemed the most like a human person right right kinda, which i always like in star trek sleepy country person but a real person yeah it's fine yeah uh worst actor humping the control panel spock <laughs> so the during the scene where the ship is getting shaken spock is holding on to a console but all of his shaking is at his hips <laughs> like he's just he just has not they just haven't gotten the hang of pretending the ship is shaking around. Well they've never seen so, an episode yet, so he just looks like a dog humping the console real fast. <laughs> I didn't so. even notice that. It's physical acting this time. Uh got him that slot. We're probably not gonna see too much of Spock at the in the worst actor position. Yeah. Well it's because he doesn't portray emotion, so it's well, really because hard. his character is just his like his entire personality is just bemused. Right. So um which he plays all right most of the time. Anyway. And he, yeah, he plays it just fine. Yeah. Uh, so when you total it up, uh, it got uh, 44 points, which is a real return to form. Yeah. Uh, that is uh, the equal of the man trap and the highest that the original series has ever scored. Don't call it a comeback. And only a couple of episodes of other shows have outscored that. Uh, we had uh, Where No One Has Gone Before. Boy, I can't believe we scored that so good. It's mostly my fault, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. This world building and premise stuff. And oh, uh, right. Phage, of course. Yeah. Which scored a, our all-time high of 50. Still back. So this is uh, tied for third place so far. Oh, my it's God. The, 
third highest show, the old Corbomite maneuver. You know what? That's fine. I have fond memories of the Corgi maneuver. That I think it was born out. Uh, this is a question that I uh, we don't. I don't always ask. Did you enjoy watching it? Um, I kind of did. I I did. I think because I found the crew so charming. I think I liked it. Did you not okay. like it? No, I did. Okay. Uh, I did, but my initial score wasn't great, so... Yeah, yeah. And even a, even the 20 that I gave it, like, bumped up is not super impressive. Yeah, I think we found there's no real correlation. We wanted... I wanted there to be an inverse correlation, <laughs> where the worse we thought the episode was, the better it scored, and vice versa, but it's... I think it's just too unpredictable. There was a moment when I legitimately asked you, do I just not like science fiction? <laughs> yes, right. where I'm not enjoying the ones that score high, and I do kind of enjoy the ones that score low. Yeah, this is maybe not the right project for you. I think, <laughs> if you don't like it. Ah, but we're ten episodes in now. There's right. foolish to abandon this. We if just got to power through. If you go ten out of 176, I think anyone would say you have to go 176. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very depressing to think that we're still several months away from being 10% of the way through. What's very depressing is to think that we are years away from season three of The Next Generation. Oh, when it starts to get, like, solid? What we generally consider to be when the few enjoyable episodes take place. Episodes yeah, no, look, three it's, it's going to be a long, long time until yeah. we see Sarek and yeah. the Defector. Oh, yeah, buddy. The Hunted, the Wounded. Even the Hunted and the High Ground. I mean, the Wounded Season 4, but still, you know, yeah. all that good stuff. Yeah, there's good stuff coming uh, as the as the Magic Cloaks ask, <laughs> how long until Arsenal of Freedom? That's right. Uh, and that's still another ten weeks away. Oh, God! Yeah. Oh, that's really crushing news that you just told me. <laughs> yeah, sorry oh, about that's that. that's bad. I, uh, we'll get to the end. At the end of this week, if you don't remember what's next on your Netflix, I will tell you what the next Next Generation episode is, and I bet you will not be pleased to no, hear No, I saw the Netflix screenshot. Oh, even the one that's not next week, but after? Oh, both. Or, oh, okay. No, they both suck. Yeah, yeah. And the one after that is not great. Okay, good. But look, at week 14, we get 11001001. That one's not too bad. That's a lot to talk about, at least. I want to go back to the Hangouts conversation that we were having about that episode some months back. (laughs) (laughs) Because there's some good stuff in there. Yep. All right, we watched a TNG as well. Uh, We did. This week, we watched Haven. Troy's single days are over. <laughs> She's getting hitched to her dad's friend's son. Arranged style. And Riker doesn't like that idea much. But, oh no, son! Torellian plague ships. All coming out of nowhere to ruin the nuptials. And shit, man. Troy's husband-to-be has been communicating telepathically with Torellians for years. He'll just move in with them. No harm, no foul. Yep. That's pretty much the episode, I think. Uh, I was super hoping. See, so I listed the first story as a, a battleship shows up with germs. That's not the uh, first story, is it? No, is the it's plot? not. Okay, uh, good. <laughs> and the, but then, uh, I was super hoping that you would say to make matters worse, and then give the other half <laughs> because that's what I did. I said to make matters worth worse, Troy's arranged marriage that no one ever heard about before is suddenly due. I know. Yeah, she she had hid that apparently even from her Imzadi, which seems kind of like kind of a shitty move. Uh, to yeah. Not even tell your Imzadi that you uh you have been promised since childhood. But do you think <laughs> whatever? Do you think she dated anybody in between Riker 
and showing up on the Enterprise? No. No. Yeah, so it's, it's just Ben Riker, right? Yeah, I, I mean, we've talked about this before. I think he messed her up good. Yeah. Real good. Yeah. All right. Well, we can get she it. did not like him running off on the Potemkin or whatever. <laughs> Whichever one it was. The, the Hood? The Potemkin? The, uh, the, the, Ga- the Gandhi? No, that's that's Thomas Riker. So, um, I did not... Like, what's this episode about? Oh. This is a kind of a puzzler for me. Yeah, I didn't... I have... I have two. You, why don't you go first, see if it's one of the ones that I picked. All life, all of it, all life, yeah. is interconnected. In fact, it's part of the same thing. Ten points. Wait, 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 wait. One, you're going with that as the take because the Waxana Troy said it? What else or because is there's, Or because about? there's evidence. Is there any evidence that that's what the episode's about? I just want to be clear, because I had that in Quick Hitters asking if she's drunk. She, she's, she's drunk on enjoying the reactions that people get every time she says the word naked. However, <laughs> whether she's drunk on alcohol is another question. Uh, and wait, and the question too. Wait, that's a 10? That's, that's a big premise. Well, it's big, but is it any good? It's big. All right. Ten. Jesus. That's that's big and fundamental and big. Alright. That's as big as um this is a universe in which thought influences reality. Did we have that as the premise? Is that the premise? No, I had that as world building. Yeah, I mean yeah, I think I had that too. But that's because that show had a premise. Right, <laughs> exactly correct. Yes. Uh so there's so there's just really there's nothing else this could be about. Alright. And well, also no one cares. No one is interested at all about this telepathy angle. No. No one proposes a different explanation for it. No, they're just like... Huh. We have literally nothing else to go on. People are like, sounds like a love story to me. And Loxana Troy, who is a telepath, is just like, nah, here's how it works. Yep. Yeah, okay, yeah. I mean, it's true that it is not explained how he's been seeing that blonde chick. But and no one all- cares to explain it. It's, it's also, very frustrating. It's also true that I don't think we ever see anything like that again. Yeah, listen, don't sweat it. I gave it a zero for execution. All right, okay, it's fine. All right. I had they did two, a very bad job. I had two takes. You know, I'm going to let you choose which one you think is better. I'll see if either of them makes any sense to me. Okay. So my version of what you had, so you did kind of get mine, is all magic is real, question mark? Hmm. Because that's magic, right? It's definitely magic. Okay. I give that a one. I, I don't, I mean... I gave it a one because I thought it was dumb. Yeah. Okay. And uh, your other take? Arranged marriage is bad? Which just feels like an obvious statement and not really a premise. But that's still that's still scored a two. But also, is that even what the episode's about? Well. Because she's like for sure going to do it. She's definitely going to do and it, also, but she, she also doesn't want to. He seems like a nice guy. Yeah, and I do. Like, we'll get seems into like it. it could, seems like it could work out. Like, they're talking about... Going into practice together? We'll get into it. I, I love the way he big dogs Riker. Uh, I just love it. I love uh, it's, it. It's super perfect. Oh, so much the way that he interaction does that. in the holodeck is very good. It's so good. Um, but other than that, she's she's not into it. Clearly, I mean, she's pretty bummed out the whole time about what she's happening. for sure gonna do it. No, she's definitely going to do it, but I don't think she wants to do it. 
Anyway, this is the premise that you had as a two. Two. Is arranged marriage is bad. Two's not a good score. It's two just better than score. one. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Let's work off that two, I guess. All right, arranged marriage is bad. That's the premise, I guess. So how, how do they execute on that premise? By the way, here's what I wrote for execution for mine is, how does that explain anything? <laughs> That's right. that, that all life is interconnected. Thanks for nothing. It still doesn't explain why these two can talk to each other's brains. I mean, she does say it's because they both understand that all life is interconnected. Yeah. So that's magic. Um. Okay. Just general execution. Is this Star Trek's first attempt at genuine emotion? Like the stuff between Troy and Riker, I'd say in particular, there's a lot of real heavy music in the background and long Oh, the music stares. is insane in this episode. And Frakes is doing, I think, probably the last attempt he makes to act in the show. <laughs> I think this is it. Maybe it didn't, it didn't go so well, <laughs> yeah. so he's like... Oh, he's he'll he'll do bother. a little bit more. He'll do a little bit more in ethics. That's only... <laughs> it's only three years from now, probably. Yeah. Five years from now. It's not... Honestly, it's not completely ineffective. Uh, no, we'll get to that at the end. Uh... Uh, this, so you're doing general. Sorry, you're still, you're still talking about delivery of your premise. Yeah, yeah sorry. So this is general execution. I'll, I'll get to my premise in particular. I was just saying. I think it was not completely ineffective. The the emotions they were going for in this episode. The dialogue is definitely going to forfeit them a lot of points. In general execution, because you're not executing on writing for television. Um, but the stakes in this episode seem so incredibly low. Yep. That they add some nonsense about plague ships in. That is totally even, tacked on and dumb. Even the guys on the plague ship are not threatening. No, they're like the Enterprise hippies. captures their ship immediately. <laughs> yeah, and it's the, it's just the question of are they just gonna uh, tow them away, make them die in orbit? Like, it's such. A, considering that the the fucking first act ends with Picard saying they cannot be allowed to destroy us. That's what I was gonna say. There, there's even the plague ship ends up being zero stakes. Yeah, so that is before the, like they say that, and then when they come back, they give us like the whole rundown on Torellians. Yes, and then you go, what's he so worried about? Like, we're not going to destroy you. Just stay on your ship, and they stay on theirs, and you're fine anyway. And yeah, we get arranged marriage is bad. Picard just says it as a fact. He's like, what we know from our in the twentieth century, it's very bad. It's like, all right, dog. It's not good, and it's also bad. <laughs> but, like, who cares? Who cares about anything that happens in this episode? It's the characters difficult. don't, and I Look, don't. I, I asked you uh, in Hangouts when I finished watching this if this was the worst episode of The Next Generation. It's not good, dog. I gave it a three on execution. Yeah. Um, and this leads into world building. Mm. Was this an unfilmed script for a different science fiction show? Uh, Mario Brothers 2. That they hammered into the next generation. The first thing the Electorine of Haven says when the Torellian Plague Ship approaches is that it bypassed their Stargate. I did hear that. So I just wrote, what is a Stargate? That's a good question. Because I know what it is in the series Stargate. (laughs) That's more than I know. I know what a jump gate is. That's And I know what a Mass Effect relay is. Okay, alright. But in this universe... What is a Stargate? I, uh, yeah, that is a very Th- good These question. ships go wherever they want to go. 
Yeah, I was like, wait, do they live in like a Dyson sphere? But they don't live in a Dyson they sphere. They do. They certainly do not. No. Um. Uh-huh. Like the Picard's immediate reaction to these sick people mm. is not Federation. Um, right. Like it's just this just seems like and then, then of course this long distance telepathy angle that nobody cares about. Mm-hmm. It just seems like, oh, this was supposed to be something else. And they were just like, well, we have this lying around. Well, they'll just make it about Troy and Riker. We got to write how many scripts in how many yeah. weeks? 26. I can't do that. Okay. I wrote this Battlestar Galactica script. <laughs> That's right. And uh, no, they don't think you even have jump gates or stargates. Just anyway. jump. Yeah. That's Jump Gates. Uh, so, world building gets kind of a low score because it doesn't. This doesn't feel like Star Trek. Yeah. Um, um, Haven has a treaty with the. So there are some things that are interesting. Haven has a treaty with the Federation that requires the Enterprise to defend it. But are they a member of the Federation? That is almost the exact question that I had. Like, it's not like you have to defend us because we're a Federation world. It's like, oh, it's specified in our treaty. Yeah. I like, you guys get to come chill at our great vacation planet. We'll think of another one that's sexier in a few episodes, but for now, this is this is the vacation planet. They oh, mean- it's also also this mystical healing angle. Yeah. Which we'll, we'll see again, by the way, in ten minutes as Aldea, like another of these legendary planets. I feel like they were season one was still trying to really hit that TOS model or something, and instead of alternate Earths, they decided on um, mystical legend planets. Um, another world building note I have, which is I mean it's really a quick hitter, but I guess it's world building. Oh, the holodeck doors can suddenly be quiet when someone's creeping. I had that on my quick hitters, but yes, for sure. Yeah. Why like that guy just walks, walks in, in from off frame, and you're like, mm, though, I know what noise that door makes, and Dude, it's loud. We were on the exact same wavelength. The There's a reason episode. Barkley has to be asleep in Hollow Pursuits when he gets discovered. Because if he were awake, he would have heard the super loud noise that the door and he makes. he would have immediately and very embarrassedly ended the program. Just like, well, computer and program. I was just, uh, just uh, in a garden, just hanging out in a garden. Not a big deal. I was just, uh, I was beating it off. I was beating it in here <laughs> to totally normal stuff. I wasn't three musketeers at all. That's right. Just normal masturbation happening. Not uh, a big deal. I gave it a two. Was there anything good world building wise in here for you? Uh, good. Yeah, I don't know about good. Good in this episode don't don't go together. I I feel like work was done. Genetic bonding. Why is it's it, weird that they call it that. Why is it genetic bonding? Yeah. What part of that was based on genetics? I thought it, they then, in the next sentence, explain that their dads were friends. Yeah, that's right. That's um, that's 100% not genetic. Is that because they were each genetically linked to their own dads? Who were friends? <laughs> I guess, but, I mean, that's true of everybody. <laughs> is that just what they call marriage? I mean, Astan's kids look just like Astan, and my two kids look just like Astan. That's right. If you like Jimmy pointed out. Yeah, so what is genetic bonding? Uh, weird that crazy old socialites still exist, even there's no money or greed in the future we've been led to believe or whatever. Uh, for sure. For sure, this is the millionaire and his wife from Gilligan's Island. Yeah. I mean, particularly this woman is lovey, right? <laughs> yes, she is. Uh, Troy's dad had an accent like Troy's, it is pointed out. 
Uh, I have that under characterization. We'll okay. talk about it. Okay. Um, I, I, again, exactly like you, Haven's Electron mentions that their treaty with the Federation stipulates Starfleet's defense of their planet. Does that mean they're in the Federation or just allied with it? Uh, there are such things as Torellian plague ships. All the stuff about Torellians. The last Torellian ship was destroyed eight years ago. I think he said it was in Alsace. That didn't make sense to me, but... <laughs> yeah, that's who destroyed it. Uh, the French or the Germans. The French. Whoever controls the French or the Germans. I don't know what the status is in the 24th century. <laughs> they were mad, though. They hated the Torellians. Uh, we, know that, we know that the whole thing went down around Strasbourg. <laughs> that's right. Betazoid dining ceremonies. All the Betazoid wedding stuff. Um, <coughs> oh, damn. There's like a pet shrub that you can send after an old lady's cooter if you want. Yep. There's uh, definitely yeah. going after a cooter, right? Oh, for sure. Uh, funnier when it was Londo's penis. Absolutely. And he was cheating at poker with it. Yeah, that's Babylon right. Babylon 5, man. But, by the way, guys, if you haven't seen Babylon 5, Londo that's has six official. penises and he uses at least <laughs> one for cheating at poker. That's right. Uh, that's season one. That is not a great season, but if you get, just stick, stick with it, everybody. Official podcast right. recommendation is not Babylon 5, it is to stick with it. You gotta plow through. My advice is don't watch just one episode every two weeks, because then it'll take some time. That's right. That's not the official Don't do, don't do it on our schedule. In fact, in, I'd say, actually, what you should do is turn it on and take some naps in season one. Because that we, still counts. Uh, if we get through this, uh, process and, uh, there is still the internet and podcasts. Right. We should do head to head the winning show of this series against Babylon Five. Oh boy, I don't think that's fair. Head I just don't head. think it's fair. First season TNG against first season Babylon Five. Okay, well, first like TNG is going to win, right? But then that second season, we got Pulaski. Is it going to win though? That's what I'm saying. Because season but one TNG is going not up good. against season two Babylon Five. Oh, watch well, Pulaski's going to get drilled. It's going to be. Drilled. But then the third season, what's going to happen? And I think I just, the Star Trek seasons are longer. Yeah, they are. Anyway. Longer, and there's more of them. Anyway. <clears throat> uh, let's not propose projects uh, for what to do if we, by some miracle, get through this. <laughs> uh, I gave it it's a five. Almost, for... It's almost impossible that it's going to happen, right? No, no. I, I don't see how it could be done. I think the best Sorry, that's do a five give... for you? Yeah, I gave it a, I th- there was a lot of work done. I didn't even go into all of it. There's so much stuff about the Trellians which doesn't really matter, but there's a lot of stuff about Betazoids, which, if you were watching this for the first time, you might be convinced could matter because one of the main characters is a Betazoid. Yeah, I guess. Like, I guess if you thought to yourself, we're probably going to see this gift box a lot. Well, it turns out what you see a lot of is, uh, walks on a Troy trying to get naked with everybody. Yeah, that's basically it. That's what survives this episode. All right, well, again, I can't, I can't, I'm trying not to cheat by what I know about the future. Also, she likes to announce that people are attracted to her whether or not it's true right. i feel like they were trying to give us backstory on betazoids and troy which you could be convinced would matter because she's a main character so i gave it a five which is not a great <coughs> score it's just better than terrible okay well then let's dive into characterization uh i mean well i'm just gonna say that i also thought it was a two <laughs> um and that my notes are not so much about characterization, but there are aspects of the characters. Like, so Deanna Troy gets her accent from her father. Her father's name is Ian Andrew Troy. Why yeah. does he talk like that? With I, such an such a very English name. I cannot explain it. Unknown. Yeah, I'm ninety percent sure what happened here is. Uh, uh hey, we're um. 
We need to cast uh, Troy's mom. We're going to have Troy's mom in this episode. And then someone's like, oh, Boss's wife wants to do it. And then someone else is like, oh, do you yeah, think she can do we the were gonna get, We were going to get Isabella Rossellini to do it. Yeah, do you think we can get someone who can do that weird half-Greek, half-English accent that she's doing? <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, no, she can't do that. Oh, no, for sure she can't do that. Well, oh, man. Boddenberry's been saying for a long time that Majel isn't really happy just being the voice of the computer. No, she's going to do her same computer voice. I'm 90% sure of that. <laughs> it's going to be very confusing for everybody. Uh, oh, boy. I guess we could say she gets the accent from her dad? Yeah. Cut to the first episode of season two. Somebody decides her father's name is Ian Andrew Troy. I know. Again, it's worse than unknown how her dad had that accent because we know we hear him in the future and he does not have an accent. It's not her dad, Stavros Giuseppe Troy. <laughs> yep. Something that would be like, okay, I get it. His accent's nuts because uh, he's cause cause he's, he's pan Mediterranean. He's, he's mixy mixy. Yeah. Um. What Bill wants more than anything is to be a starship captain, so... That's good that we know that. I did not like that she kept calling him Bill. It's characterization. Even more than usual in this episode, Data is an exposition machine. With great dialogue to go along, as always. Mm. Uh, Considering the rate at which you imbibe, is your lineage at all mixed with humans? That seems pretty impolite, huh? He's not great at parties. Ask man. this alien if he's uh if he's you're a you're a half breed, right? Right, Mr. Holm? <laughs> I'm not I okay. <laughs> I'm not gonna go so far as to say that he does become great at parties. I'm just gonna say at this point in the show he's not yet be great at being at parties. Well he hasn't been around Hutch. That's right. So he hasn't he hasn't picked up the art of small talk yet. Season fucking seven. It's coming. We'll never get there. Coming up. Um uh, Tasha Yar's dinner hair is the best thing in her entire run on the series. It was. Uh, I kind of wasn't paying attention. Is it vaguely Flock of Seagulls? Um, yeah, it's like Belinda Carlisle, Flock of Seagulls. All right, good. High eighties. Did anyone mention explicitly with dialogue that she's sexy? I just again, I wasn't really paying attention. I don't think so. Okay. I I think somehow we had a whole scene uh, with her in a social situation where nobody said. That she was like, it. Yeah, okay, good. Well, they dropped the ball. What can you do? Uh, so like I said, as a two for me, uh, total it up, it's a 14. Oof. So imagine what would have happened if I hadn't given the take a 10. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, man, all their points came from one place. Yeah. Uh, uh, what do you have for characterization? What What struck you about this episode? Riker doesn't know how to masturbate. He just oh, the there. harps. Yeah, that we'll talk about that in a quick hitters. He just sits there in his uniform, sleeping, <coughs> watching two ladies in horrible, shiny 80s clothes play the harp. And I imagine every so often he says to himself, nice. That's right, exactly. Yep. Uh, he, he, there's only one type of trombone he knows how to play. That's exactly correct. Uh, okay, so suddenly he's all upset that Troy isn't his anymore because he's like the ultimate dog, right? He negs her at every turn. Yep. And then when she moves on, he's all butthurt about it. Straight up and gets up and walks out during Picard's announcement of her wedding. What? Like a whiny turd. So here is the thing, right? So she tells him, you want to be a starship captain more than anything. Yeah. Which is great because she tells the, him the defining characteristic of his character. That's important. He wouldn't know uh, otherwise. And he says to her, that's not all I want. As if to say, yeah. What? Woo. What was his vision of the future? Like, 
he's going to be a starship captain and she's going to be right there. Yeah. Like, that ain't the military. All I know not- Starfleet's not the military. Right. But, like, you're just going to... You're just going to make that call, huh? Yeah, she'd be right there next to him, heating up his coffee with phasers and all that. Yep. Uh, Look, dude, we, he clearly prioritized, because, again, he negs her at every turn. Yeah. Uh, He just can't handle it when it's time for her to move on or whatever. The looks that he gives at the wedding reception. <laughs> just like Will Ferrell and Step Brothers. That's what it <laughs> reminded me of. <laughs> when he gets up and he shouts that he wasn't fired from PetSmart, he was laid off. There's a difference. Riker, if you don't have a good excuse to leave the table, then you can just excuse yourself. Don't, yeah, don't stutter like a moron. Don't about say you need some time to consider the uh, Torellian Torellian situation. Situation. <laughs> it's like, is this a comedy? Why? What is happening <laughs> there? You could just say, "I I gotta go," or just leave. Don't say anything. Ugh, anyway, because um, it's an it's an unfilmed episode of a different show. <laughs> exactly. So Riker was terrible. Just terrible. Even yeah. though I enjoyed it. Just terrible. Um, I get the feeling Troy doesn't want to get married at all. And the look um, on... the In the first scene, after they come back from the credits, mm. her explanation to Picard really sounds like she's running away from this. Oh, yeah. Like, she's like, I, I thought this would never happen. I figured I'd be so far away from Beta Z. Yep. Like... All the reasons. When she signed on to this mission, like, she took this deep space exploration mission to get away from this marriage. Yeah. Uh, the look on Troy's face when Luoxana dismisses Picard. It's pretty mm-hmm. Some pretty good mugging going on there. Uh, she carefully mentions to Wyatt that she and Riker aren't together anymore because of Riker. Yeah, that's right. As if to just let him know. Yeah, I still want to bone Riker. He's she just not him, yeah, look, look, like, I'm still down, but, yeah. you know, he's got, he got priorities, but, like, I would, but, you know. So, you know, if you want, if you want to know if you should be worried, you know, kinda. You should kinda be worried, because I still want Riker. Uh, Picard, so eager to ingratiate himself with Troy's family. Yes. For some reason. Yeah, they have not even really discussed, they, have, they haven't hit on the plot point yet that she's an ambassador. Oh, yeah, that's true. She's just... She gives her titles in this episode, so we just get the feeling she's some kind of Betazoid aristocracy, but... Yes, but, like, he is treating her this way because she's Troy's mom. Yeah. It hasn't even... It's not even about she has ambassador rank. Isn't it weird? It's so weird, because he's so stodgy in the first several episodes, and, you know, all the stuff about how he can't be around kids and stuff. Yes. And suddenly he's, like... Bending Again. over backwards to make this old lady happy. Well, not only that, but everything... So everything is wrong in this episode, right? So... Yeah. Picard at the dinner party... So charming. Doing his there is a rule yeah. at uh, social events. The disputes are not allowed. I, hear, I hereby declare this one resolved. And everybody's like, oh, uh, Oh, well done! Well, yeah. well done, yeah. <laughs> this is uh, this is not the Picard who later is so incapable of having dinner with Waxana Troy... That he calls Data down (laughs) to talk about boring shit. Yeah, he's so charming at the reception. And you're right, he declares all disagreements resolved. And I'm not sure that's a real concept. Yes, exactly. But it was so charming. Yeah, I I didn't understand what Picard was was in this episode. I think you're right, this is some kind of weird whoopsie episode. It's Uh, a real whoopsie. 
Oh, I forgot. Um, Crusher, this is the episode where Crusher's so excited to have a medical colleague on board. Because she has no staff! Yep. She's by herself. Uh, yep, there's um, there's a thousand people on this ship. One doctor. She's the only doctor. It's just her and Simon Tarsis and Calloway. <laughs> which, by the way, is proven out when later she walks into sickbay, which is empty except for Wyatt pilfering the supplies. Yep. <laughs> it's like, if they had staff, somebody could stop him from doing that. Anyway... So Crusher is pumped to have someone on board to talk to. Barely in this episode. She has interesting party hair, too. Clearly they hadn't hit on the idea or didn't have it in the budget yet to make dress uniforms, though. That's true. Because they're all just in their regular spandex jumpsuits, but they all have fancy party hair. I wonder when the first time we see those is. Hmm. I'll have to figure it out. I mean, yeah, it's in this season, I'm pretty sure. I think so. Uh, Data is fascinated by all the petty bakery. All the detestable Data stuff that we've talked about. Oh yeah, this is like the worst side of Data, of course. Yeah. Uh, no Wesley in this episode, which is an amazing change. Yes, no he... Wesley. Yes. Especially when you consider that... Uh... Shit, was it? No, it was two episodes ago was Your Welcome Ladies. Oh yeah. I think, I think they made him go sit in the corner. They made his character go sit in the corner. Last episode... They threatened him, uh, they threatened Will Wheaton by saying, hey, we'll just get this uh, gay man to replace you. And we'll just say, oh, you changed your mind and Q made you a man. <laughs> That's right. It's leverage. Uh, like it was his fault the character was terrible. Yes. <laughs> like it was his fault that they wrote this garbage dialogue for him all the time. Uh, that's all I had. I gave it a four. Man, that's a four, huh? Yeah. All right. I, I did enjoy... Four, four out of ten isn't actually good, so it's a good point. I enjoyed how terrible Riker was. Just an awful person. Um, so, I mean, we, because we've watched TNG the most, we always have the most quick hitters about yeah. it. Uh, so, while I pretend that I haven't already told you this up... <sighs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, did Riker get his harp porn from the Star Wars holiday special? Yes, maybe that's maybe this script was for another Star Wars holiday special. Oh, yeah, probably. That makes a lot of sense. Um, Debatazoid gift box. So you're hiring an actor uh-huh. who is only going to be a face and a voice. Right. That's the face you pick. Armin Shimmerman. Dude has outpost teeth. It's Armin Shimmerman. Yeah, it is. Everybody, <laughs> yes, it's, so it's Quark. Yes. Um. You know they love going to the same well over and over again. Armin Shimmerman plays like 50 people in Star Trek. Why does Picard assume Luoxana Troy uses telepathy and not his rank insignia to determine that he's the captain? That is a good question. Because he's falling all over himself. He's the old man himself. in the transporter room wearing captain a captain's uniform. When she says, oh, you're Captain Picard, he's like, oh, that's right, you're a telepath. Yeah, and then she's like, oh, as if his thought, his thought immediately in that moment before that was, "I'm Captain Picard." Well, that's why when somebody orders a grape soda, I go, oh, "That's right, you're black." <laughs> oh, but I mean, they usually aren't, <coughs> right? And so, you usually can tell by looking at them that they're not, right? But then they go, "No, I'm not black at all." One and two, you were in Captain's Pips. Is what they should say to me. Um, does Luxana Troy ever wear the black contacts again, or did they just tone them down or something? They seem bigger and blacker. In this episode. Yeah, we'll have to watch that. She's really shark-eyed here. I wish that we could say we'll never find out because she never comes back, but we will definitely get a chance to see. I was thinking about the um, the prop department. Uh, Some asshole had to spray paint a rose. 
God, yeah, I guess they couldn't have done that with the computer graphics? Nope. Oh, no, boy. someone just straight spray painted a rose. That's pretty lame. Yeah. Uh, they repeat some of the Farpoint music here. I also noticed that. That's their and romance it, music. It occurred to me, so it could be the romance music, right? But it also occurred to me, it could be Troy's theme. Oh, because boy. I think the moment that it plays in Farpoint is her great joy and gratitude line. Yeah, I wonder if she wishes she could go back and un- not have to do that line. That's a hard line. It doesn't work in her accent. No. Um, what do you think happened? So this set, the, this dinner set. What do you think happened to that United Federation of Planets wall hanging that we never see again? Storage, dog. It's in storage with... um. No, you know where they put it? They put it in that sensor station that Warf got shocked. That's, that oh, became probably. storage. Um, Picard got out the good purple plastic utensils for this dinner party. <laughs> Did you see this? Yeah, it's like, hey, you can like replicate anything you want. You could get some really fancy china or something. <clears throat> yeah, like in Star Trek VI, uh, when Praxis explodes... Yeah, Sulu's... Sulu's drinking tea out of a real nice teacup. It is very nice. Like, that's a real classy looking teacup. Uh, the normal Enterprise drinkware is a, a little odd, but like, you know, Picard's glass teacup with the handle and yeah. everything. But like... But that's his everyday I... drinking, drinking yes. vessel. And yes, you're right. The, for this special occasion... They They've... got purple plastic utensils. Yeah, they chose some real garbage. Well, Troy loves purple. Did you um? Did you get a? So, I was a little distracted uh, during all of the scenes on the Torellian ship. Did you look at their monitors at all? No. They're just showing swirling patterns, like would be projected in a go-go. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Did yeah. You see that? I did not see that, but I'm not surprised. Doesn't That's... seem like you'd be able to get a lot of useful information out of those. I'm not surprised because they basically told told the Enterprise that they've been just flying aimlessly for years and years. Yeah. So, I don't think they've been using those stations. This is my daughter, and this is her midriff. <laughs> That's right. Also, is she my age? I am. This plague is very weird. I, I was, I was going to call her Chastity, because I figured that was... That was the kind of name that somebody who looked like that would have. But then they told me her name was Ariana. Yep. And I went, no, that's still fine. That's the exciting alien name they gave her, that Ariana. Is totally fine. Uh, he's going to prepare medical supplies for these people mm. who are going to be isolated forever. He brings, like, a sunglasses case and a set of 9 by 9 dominoes over. <laughs> Like, that's it. That's all the supplies he brought. Forever for people with a terrible plague. The Enterprise can do better than that. Why don't they send him one of those barrels that they have in the cargo bay? Maybe full of those beans that those 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 fish guys want to eat. With the little grabbing thing and the little (laughs) injecting thing. Oh, the the druggies like. I was talking about the ones that the fish guys eat out of. But yeah, you're right. Maybe the ones that the, uh, the druggies like. One of those fish guys that Worf feeds from his hand. I do. <laughs> I don't know why he feeds them from his hand. <laughs> I can't wait to get to that episode. Oh, it's an. Oh wait, that should be. That's a Loxana Troy episode. Is that season uh, two? Yeah. Uh, shit. 
that the one where he pawns her off in the holodeck? I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's season two. I want to say. Well, anyway. Uh, yeah, one of those barrels would have worked fine. But yeah, you're right. He just went over there with uh, about six ounces worth of stuff. Yeah, I brought I brought medicines. Yeah, for like a like there's like a two week supply. That's exactly correct. Well, but he knows they're going to stop by CVS, so it's going to be. Okay. <clears throat> uh, that that was what I wrote down. I mean, there's so much <laughs> in this episode. But I like how their holodeck is one of the planets from the original series, basically. Yeah, so some, some kind of hell planet. Until you put nice music behind it, then it's like, oh, what a nice sunset. Yeah, it's basically it's the same. They just changed the gels, right? But it's part of the set that they built for uh, Hide and Q. That's right. Yes, it like, is. It's it's of the same level of verisimilitude. <clears throat> All right, let me well, let me jump in. I got a lot. Um, who is it that believes Haven has mystical healing powers? Because yep. Picard is not very specific. He says some people believe it has mystical healing powers. It's like what? That doesn't sound like a thing people believe. I mean, is that why those people wanted to die there? I, I couldn't even tell whether they really meant to be there or not. I couldn't <laughs> tell what was happening with them. Well, why did they bypass the Stargate? <laughs> That's a good, a good question. Well, they weren't looking at their monitors. All they've been seeing on their swirls for years, so. Uh, yeah, Armin They were Shimmerman. just like, yeah, it's, it's just White Rabbit again. <laughs> That's right. Armin Shimmerman playing the weird jewel box. Uh, I, hated, I hate Troy's regular jumpsuit. hate it so much. The purple one with the pink belt. Oof. Oh, but the loose-fitting one she wears in this is so much dumpier and worse. Well, I'll get to that. Um, she calls him Bill a bunch, which is gross. The The dialogue monster came back. <laughs> when is my mother arriving? Your mother's still down on the planet, Deanna. Yeah, dog, I know. I just said that. <laughs> yeah, I knew she wasn't here. I just, I just asked you why she's not here and when she's going to be here. Moron. Uh... It's one of those episodes where I, they, I think they wanted comic relief. It's usually not a good idea. Well, then why didn't they play funny music like in Up the Long Ladder? Oh, God. Well, that's, that's still coming as well. Uh, I've had that Picard luggage moment. <laughs> where I've been like, I got it. There's nothing. I'm gonna, I'll carry it. Don't worry about it. And then I've uh, been like, oh, oh no, wait. Four hernias? What What did you put in here? One of Marjan's friends stayed with us not that long ago. And she had a giant suitcase, and I was like, nah, I got it. And she's like, oh, it's pretty heavy. I was like, nah, 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 I got it. And I picked it up, and I went, oh, oh, no, wait. I've seen this on TV. (laughs) Well, her suitcase itself is hard-sided and looks like it's probably pretty heavy with nothing in it. That's probably what it is. There probably isn't much in it. It's probably just a heavy case. Well, she's planning to go naked at the wedding, but she is going to change her outfit five or six times before that. Uh, If Loxana is so against verbal communication, why is she so chatty? Uh, yeah. This, uh, inconsistent aspect of her character. Never stops talking. Yeah. Um, oh man, the dialogue, I have so many dialogue points. Yes, that is the point of marriage, I suppose. (laughs) That's something that someone said. Uh, just keeps going. I trust my concern for Counselor Troy are not, is not based solely on losing a valuable crew member. You're saying this about your own feelings. Yeah. You don't have to trust it. It's exactly. What are your feelings? <laughs> like, what the hell? Why is that in your... Why is that in your captain's log? Yep, this is why they stopped reading them. <sighs> yeah, that's right. Enough of those. They go, yeah, I'm not interested anymore. Like, did you hear this one? All that happened this week... 
I mean, like, look, they they found a Torellian plague ship. By the way, they let it go. <laughs> yeah, just off into the ether, whatever. Yeah, I'll, it's, it, it's not warp capable, so it's still in that system. Uh, all he wrote about is this wedding. That's right. Yeah, when he's not telling us what, what Wesley Crusher's up to, it's all about fucking weddings and nonsense. <laughs> Including Wesley Crusher. Okay, cool. Good story. Um, <clears throat> everything in Data's briefing in the Observation Lounge. All of it. Mm-hmm. He said this sentence. Unfortunately, they faced the old story of hatred overcoming intelligence. Yep. He did say that exact sentence. It's one of the things about them in the briefing. <laughs> the briefing studies? Was it highly emphasized? That's yeah, highly <laughs> emphasized, yeah. Uh, I'm beginning to think this show's much better at hitting the emotional beats than executing a plot or writing a conversation. Yeah, you're probably right. Uh, Other comments? <laughs> if I may, sir? One of the things about them in the briefing studies was their respect for patients. Strongly emphasized. Strongly emphasized. <laughs> yeah, dude. Why would you even say the sentence, unfortunately, they faced the old story of hatred overcoming intelligence? Fuck you, Data. Did they face it, or did they repeat it? It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's garbage. They took one dialogue pass, and that was it. I also hated Troy's entire get-up at that reception. It was very bad. Horrible. It's clearly, like, whoever made her... It, you're right, it's not good. Her gray and purple outfit. Yep. Uh, like, it's at least tailored. It fits her. Yep. And But... Uh, you know, but it's it's got some weird elements, and obviously they didn't have the same amount of time when they slapped this new one together. They're like, oh, let's make it look like a version of that one. Like, it's got the same V-belt. Just and, why? She doesn't always have to be in a weird jumpsuit. Right. Uh, but, but it, like, it's just all of the proportions are wrong. It makes her look like her shoulders are super wide and boxy like a linebacker. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's real, like, it's just ill-fitting and dumpy, and it's also super ugly. It's very ugly. Like, so you have a lot of picked, good things to say about this outfit. They picked the worst couch fabric to make this thing out of. Yeah, it's not good. I think the guy playing Troy's dad messed up Hom's name, and they didn't even, like, take a second. They didn't even do a second take. He goes... Uh, you mean, you mean the guy playing Stephen Miller? Oh, yeah, not Troy's dad. The other guy's dad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Calm... But Hom can't even talk! Uh, yeah, so either that was in there because for whatever reason they wanted him to seem like a real person who makes mistakes. But what? Or, your theory is right, he just recovered from it perfectly and they were like, Yeah, just leave yeah, it. Yeah, fuck it. Leave that in. I cannot That's see... how people, people do that. I cannot see what that would possibly add to that character to have him make that mistake. Yeah, also, uh, now that I think about it, uh... Do we ever see him talk again? <laughs> they took away his lines after that. It's well, just thanks for the drinks, right? I think they could. Oh, Hom? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, no, no, yeah. Stephen Miller has almost no lines in this episode. Yeah. Uh, he does, however, make all of the crazy faces. His face is distracting every single time he's on screen. Before he's he made bu- that gaff. He's bug-eyed, and they look in slightly different directions, and he's <laughs> always making a crazy mouth. Before he made that gaffe, I was going to put him up for best actor in the show. <coughs> he is such a goofy dude. Uh, I, I have him as, yeah, I have it. Best actor, bug-eyed monster, Stephen Miller. <laughs> nice. Uh, you suppose Riker mounted that hollow rock in his usual fashion? Did he come up from oh, behind yeah, it? Oh, he definitely step over stepped it? over it. Yeah. 
uh, Habit of the Beasts. What is Riker talking about in the holodeck? What's he talking about? I don't know. Uh, He's like, I don't know. Envy? Call it an old tradition. Habit of the Beasts. Like, what? He acts as though we have seen Troy a hundred times talk about how unsophisticated humans are. That's true. He see- yeah, he does seem but like But we he's... certainly have not. He seems defensive about it. For he's sure. real defensive. Uh, this is where I had where is the signature hella loud door to the holodeck. Exactly. Why it sneaks up out of nowhere and then big dogs Riker. Oh, hey, uh, you're the little fuck who uh, desperately wants to command a starship but can't. And then makes a wanking been... motion and then he goes, good luck, fuckstick. <laughs> Just smokes his ass. Even better if he'd walked in from the direction they were looking in. <laughs> That's right. Right at them. <clears throat> he just smokes Riker in that scene. It makes he you kind of like Wyatt. You go, oh, that's nice. I'm glad someone did that. Uh, it, it is one of his more credible acting moments. He uh, he has a bad acting moment, too, that I'll talk about in a minute. It isn't just when he says the terrible line that they wrote for him about, I guess, that's the point of marriage? <laughs> no, that was bad, too. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I guess it isn't fair that he smoked Riker, because he's like a whole medical doctor. That's true. And Riker's 23 and me results came back and he's 97% Cro-Magnon. It's not a good sign. I don't even know how it's possible. His parents, uh, something horrible must be going on. We will learn that Riker grew up in a shack in Alaska <laughs> as the last human being who cooks. That's right. Like, he's... It doesn't come up a lot, but he's definitely from circumstances. Yeah. Uh, you're right that a medical doctor... Who, uh, listen, that box came up and it, like, shit out jewels at them. That's true, yeah. They're pretty and then at the well end, off. they were like, no, you keep it, you'll get married someday. <laughs> they they didn't want their jewels back. What I'm saying is, uh, Wyatt Miller definitely had a more privileged upbringing than living with Riker's withholding dad in Alaska. <laughs> Always cheating at Ampo Jitsu. Yes. Making him cook him a lot of eggs or whatever. Hey, we're gonna we're gonna karate fight now. <laughs> but Ted, I'm nine. What? Shut what? up, you little you. the academy. Well, we're gonna karate fight. <laughs> wow, wow! Stop it, Dad. You cheated. Wow. I don't even have the thing on. Shut up! I'm the worst dad. <clears throat> but the women love your me. mother died, and I hate you for it. That's <laughs> right. Uh. Yeah, so you're right. Riker is out, outmatched here. Yeah, it's not really fair. That's why Riker makes no response when he gets big-dogged. He just looks at him and goes, oh, oh. He just walks yeah, out. Yeah, no, he, he should have made a noise like someone hit him right on top of the head. Just got, oh. <laughs> I loved that scene way more than I remembered liking it. Um, this is He probably goes back in the holodeck and just replays that event over and over <laughs> again. And this is why he's able to survive Devanani Rawls big-dogging later. Oh, yeah. It's true. It's like a much later. Because he handles that. Well, again, another episode do? that we have discussed endlessly in Hangouts. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, we'll get to it. Um, uh, uh, Ch- uh, Chastity, or Ariana's dad, <laughs> is the guy who interrogated Sheridan in Babylon 5. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then I have here, all life and consciousness is connected and bound together and is part of the same thing. Should I put that in world building or is Luxana drunk? That's what I have. <laughs> Ten points, dog. Uh, if Crusher had a staff, somebody could have stopped Wyatt from stealing all that shit. That's all I got. Uh, I kind of wish the uh, deep voice transporter chief would have hung around. 
uh, not Transporter Man Kelso, the Transporter Man from this episode? Yes, okay. from this episode. Right. Just for, um, for what reason? I just like him. Okay. He's like a big old goon. <laughs> well, you know, that, that, that job in particular... You think he got demoted because he got hyposprayed? That could be. Well, he did a bad job. Like, look, you got one job. There's a lot of. I mean, you can just put the shit on the pad. A lot of turnover at that position. When it's not O'Brien, it's always someone off. Yep. Sometimes it's even. Um, wh- Terry oh, Hatcher. Terry Hatcher. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> I knew you were going to get there. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, what I was going to say was sometimes I think you it's mean Howie Long. G. Robinson. Sometimes it's Howie Long's wife, is how I was going to put it. But that is because Marjan used to see them in those Radio Shack commercials together. Howie oh, Long okay. <laughs> and Terry Hatcher, and she thought they were married. That's cool. <laughs> That's how commercials get made. Yep. <laughs> uh, uh, so I had uh, Bug-Eyed Monster Stephen Miller as the best actor. Good. Good. Uh, worst actor, I have You Are So Beautiful, Wyatt Miller. Yeah. Uh not only did he not say it as if he thought Troy was beautiful, he said it as if he is not attracted to women. Well, I was wondering, if he didn't have that blonde lady all up in his brain all the time, you could have convinced me. Yeah. Because he does seem kind of... You know what, let's just stay away from all the stereotypes. Yeah. You already said that thing about grape soda, and that's... I... <laughs> that's enough, really. <laughs> All right, we got to speed this up. We spent like an hour and a half on the first two episodes. Uh, mostly on Haven. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, what uh, was the score? What was the final, final tally? So, we gave it a 28. Uh, ben gave it a 19. All on his own. Well. Uh, and he gave a 7 for characterization. Whoa. And he said Picard is a good dude. Oh, well. Uh, yeah. In this rewatching, I'm able to get past Loxana's annoyingness some to notice Picard being the gracious host. And he's doing it not because he's a diplomat, but because he's being a good dude for Troy. Well, that's all true. I, that just didn't earn any points for me. Yeah. It's just not the Picard that we... It's not... It's not uh, consistent based on first season Picard. It's not first season Picard. Exactly. All right. Uh, well, I have a feeling we'll talk a lot less about the next episode, Matthew. Uh <laughs> Because this week we watched The Nagus. Uh, DS9 has been in a slump uh, for a couple episodes. Yeah, but I think I've week... noticed the problem with our whole setup is that we have to watch a D-Space 9 every week. It's pretty bad. Or every Jake wants to go to Toshi Station and pick up some power converters. I noticed. Also, the Grand Negus, Zach, has come to Deep Space Nine. That's where I would uh, put to make matters worse. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Quark fears he wants to buy the bar and that he won't be able to refuse. But instead, the Negus names Quark as his successor, tasked with leading the exploitation of the Gamma Quadrant. But who's trying to kill him? Quark, yeah. that is. Who's trying to kill Quark? Yep, that is where that episode goes. Um, anyway, it's Rom. Yep. Turns out it's, it's Rom. And the Negus' son, Drax. I mean, is it Drax or Grax? I don't remember. <laughs> you, I had Cracks with a K. Cracks with a K? Shit. So, I, you well, know, I don't know. We'll just call him Rax. Rax it uh, is. 
All right, let's just get into it. Let's go. Let's get into it. Take. Here was what I got, and this shows you where I was. Heavy is the butt that wears the crown. You get it? <laughs> Quark got to be Nagus, which should have been awesome, but it wasn't awesome because that's a stressful job. I mean, I feel like it was pretty awesome. Like he mostly enjoyed it, except for the people trying to kill him. Yeah. Like the uh, handing out opportunities in the Gamma Quadrant didn't seem to get him down. He enjoyed lording his power over um, that the one buff Ferengi we've ever seen. I love that Ferengi, by the way. I love him. He, he was kind of the best one. I want to make a home with him. Cool. <clears throat> uh, heavy is the head that wears the crown. I, instead of arguing that that's not the premise of the episode, why yeah. not just ask you what that was worth to you? I gave it a whole six. Six? That... I identified it. I didn't have to reverse engineer it. The bar is very low on this on this category. Uh, so for me, uh, it's a head scratcher. I did not think that was what this episode was trying to teach you. All right. What well, what did you what did you see? Uh, being a parent is hard work, but ultimately rewarding. Oh God. So what ties all of the different threads of this show together? Chicken hog. So there's. Well, no, because they're really, they're isolated in oh, their own shit. Oh, good. Uh, but, so there's the Cisco and Jake stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. But there's also kind of a Quark and Rom parent-child dynamic going on here. He's, like, proud of him at the end. Yeah, but what about Rom and Nog? And that stuff about not being able Rom, to school? Rom and Nog's barely in this shit. And he, like, passes on all his abuses to him? Yeah, he's shitty. He's shitty okay. to him, that's okay. for sure. Okay. Uh, and there's also kind of... There's uh, Zek and his kid. Rex. That one's not so rewarding at the end. Right. Because he's, he's mad at him because he doesn't get to go on vacation. Right. Uh, and, and the, But there's also, there's a little bit of Zek and Quark, kind of a surrogate thing. Okay. Yeah, I can see it. So it's kind of like, it's about being proud of your kids. That's nice. What did that get? Two. Okay, good. All right. That's a two. That's a that's a. This is the most hack shitty premise. You know, normally uh, we've noticed there is a pattern that my scores are slightly higher than yours. Yeah. But I think this week they might end up being pretty, like a like a lot higher. <laughs> they might end up being a lot higher than yours. Um, well, don't get too excited because I gave it an eight for execution. Oh, all right. Okay. Because I think uh, it hit all basically all of the beats we wanted. Okay. I wanted to in that in that type of episode. There's even there was a little bit about parenting advice between Cisco and O'Brien. Yeah, that's true. O'Brien has of, some a little racist bit of business advice. there in the beginning. By the way, he's the substitute teacher this week. I guess they were like, uh, so okay, so Jake and Nog are in school, and then someone's like, nope, 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 nope. Keiko's still on Earth. <laughs> yeah, dog. They had to tell us. I have. I just real quick, quick hitter. Dog, is Keiko still on Earth? Did she die there and they're afraid to tell us? Or has she finally <laughs> conquered Mars and Io and Earth is next? <clears throat> All hail Galactic Empress Keiko. I, I'm like, is the woman who plays Keiko, and I I know her name, but for some reason I can't summon it. Ro- Rosalind Chow? Yeah, I think it's Rosalind Chow. Rosalind Chow? Uh, was she like in rehab or something? 
Or they're like, all right, you're going to be on this show, and you're going to be the school teacher, and oops. I just... Oops, 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 oops. She broke into her neighbor's house naked. (laughs) I can't make it work in my head why they thought she was so important that they had to keep telling us when she'll be back. Yeah. She was barely in it. I mean, when Counselor Troy is on vacation this week, I guess maybe, maybe it's worth mentioning, although later they won't. Right. But she's Later, a main they character. won't be a captain's log at the top of the show. But when Keiko is not in the episode, like, you could just not have any scenes in the school, also. Yeah. It's... Uh, uh, every episode. Every like, episode. Jake's not in every episode. They don't bring it up. It's just... I don't get it. Anyway. um, So, yeah, I get it. I get what you're saying about fathers and sons. Yeah, I actually thought if I just write fathers and sons as the premise... That's enough, really. That's Would fine. That be enough? I mean, you're only giving it a two anyway. That's fine. I mean, my official recommendation this week is go read Turgenev's Fathers and Sons. Oh. It coined the word nihilism. I thought we made the official podcast recommendation making it past the first season of Babylon 5. Can we have two? Oh, man, did we already do that? Okay, <laughs> fine. Read Fathers and Sons next week. All right. Okay, that's fine. That's a good way to do it, actually. We'll have a new one next week, I'm also, sure. Also, I think Fathers and Sons will be a lot more meaningful after you watch Babylon 5, I think. So that's a good. It to, could be. Good Sheridan has a pretty dope relationship with his dad. <laughs> yeah, he does. The dopest with his, with his dad, Ron Howard's dad. Is that right? <laughs> uh, is that guy a Howard? The guy that I see in everything. Is he a Howard? Fuck me, I thought so. I've seen him in everything. I saw him in right. Seinfeld not that long ago. Hold on. <clears throat> Just randomly watching an episode of Seinfeld, and that dude showed up. It's been a while since I. Man, there's a lot of people have been named John Sheridan over the years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll just, I'll start in with my, uh, my execution score. Uh, I gave it a three. Mm. So now we're back in line. We did A little bit, huh? We didn't really ever think Quark would be Nagus, right? Like, in season one, episode ten, he becomes king of Ferenginar. Uh, I want to talk no. about this a little bit in world building. Okay, well, I just said... I didn't feel like there that was ever going to stick, so what the fuck was the point? Well, so this is also the my problem with Heavy is the head that wears the crown, mm. is we have not seen this as an ambition of Quark's in any way. Like, usually, there's some aspect of someone wanted to be king, or thought being king would be different. Well, I think he did. I don't think he ever... I thought it was so, f- like, far-fetched. But he clearly is super happy to be named Nagus. He's not like, oh no, I'm Nagus. He's like, fuck yeah, I'm Nagus. And then he goes out. Anyway, other than that, it's only tangentially about my take. It's mostly a whodunit. And then they get, uh, they give like half of that away halfway through. Or they give all of it away halfway through. They just tell you who's who's doing it. Who's trying to kill him. They're like, oh, it's Rom and and Crax. Crax. And... They do it in the most hack worst way. Yeah. Uh, Rance Howard, born oh. November 17th, 1928, is an American actor and father of actor and director Ron Howard. I never... This is on the Babylon 5 wiki. I, I never knew that guy was a Howard. That's amazing. Yes. Huh. So, I gave it a 6 and a 3, and you gave it a 2 and an 8. So you're actually yeah. rating it higher so, so far. So I'm, I'm a little bit higher than you so far. Um... So, world building. So, I think we get from this that the Nagus is pretty important. Yes. But 
he seems to be important in kind of an oligarchy. Like, he's a rich dude. Definitely. I, it is not at all clear how he fits into, say, the Ferengi military. Or what that looks like. Or what the actual government structure looks like. Yeah. Because as far as I can tell, he just calls eight rich people yeah. to a meeting at Quark's. Right. There's not, like... No one is the minister for anything. Yeah. Or the undersecretary of anything. Or, like... This is Admiral whatever. Right, right. It's just... It's just a bunch of robber barons. Yeah, that's... So, is he officially the head of anything? I don't know at this point how clear it is. He has the right to name his successor... And yeah, he is Which the is, Nagus, and he can name his successor. So those are right. So that's really all we know yeah. about Frankie politics here. Well, uh, I, I, I definitely, I think they're pretty clear that he he seems to set the economic policy in a lot of ways. I think so. Is he Ben clear. Bernanke? Like what? Unknown. I mean, uh, by the way, at this point, we should probably say he's Wallace Shawn. Yeah, that's right. Sorry, yeah, we shouldn't like, leave that out. It's Wallace Shawn. It's Wallace Shawn. Who's doing and some real Wallace Shawn stuff. He's found a way to be... I, To me, I feel like this is the most Wallace Shawn that it is possible to be. That's right. Like, the makeup really allows him to sink into the role. Yeah, he gets after it. He gets after it. Um, I'm just... There's just, like... There's almost no world building in this episode for me. I have uh that little bit of Ferengi politics, which is... Uh, frankly, to me, raised more questions than it answered. Yes, I also found that most of my world building is in the question form. Uh, Cardassian airlocks are pretty unsafe. Seems like it. Uh, there's such a thing as a Bajoran gratitude festival. Yeah, boy, that's not exciting. Two points. Okay. I mean, what else was there? All right, here. I have also questions and not interesting things as well. Bajoran fire caverns, that's a thing. Have we heard Ferengi insults about lobe size yet, or is this the first time? I can't remember. There's a lot of stuff about how he has small lobes or doesn't have the lobes or something in this yeah. episode. So, yep. Um, Cousin Barbo. So there's some, some core backstory. <laughs> yep. Uh, the Terrahongians are mad gullible. That's right. That's well known. <laughs> well known that they're gullible. What about the rules of acquisition? How heavily have we gotten into them before this episode? Because a number are quoted in this episode. I think this is the introduction of the rules of acquisition. Uh, I don't remember them coming up at all in the next generation. That's what I'm. Yeah, that's what I'm getting. I think this may have been the episode that, unfortunately, cursed us with those. Yes. Uh, some Ferengi wear funny hats, and some don't. You know what I mean? Do you mean the the weird cowl or the the thing on the back of their the funny crazy heads? Yeah, Quark's servants do, but he sure doesn't. He does not. You know, but the military Ferengi that we see do. Yeah. Uh, even Nog, who's a kid, he wears And them. Nog wears them. Yeah. So I don't really know, again, questions. Quark just goes l- lobes out. Yeah, that's right. I don't really know what that mean, if that means anything, if it's just style, or I, I have no idea. Uh, also, they dress like mariachis. Yes, they do, which I actually really enjoy. Uh, by the way, yeah, I super like their short jackets <laughs> and... Uh, you're right. I wasted pants. I had really very, thought of it, but yeah. It's like if you made a mariachi outfit, but like with just 
weird fabrics. Like you just went to Joanne Fabric and said, yeah, that looks crazy. No one would make a shirt out of that. Mariachi style. And then you put some dude with a melted head in there and then you're, you're done. <coughs> Ferengi. Uh, Dax has been a mother three times and a father twice. I, I, it's not important, but it's in there. Uh, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to give it a two. Yeah. Anything that is in there seems really unimportant or terrible. A combination. Uh, they, d- they don't bother because this is a pure plot episode. It's a whodunit. Or who's yeah. doing it. Or whatever. Yeah, okay. Uh, um, characterization. Uh, yeah, did you give it any points? Uh, Jake, hold on, let me just go through it. Jake doesn't want to hang with his dad anymore, but he cares for those who need his help. He's not as nice a boy as Mayweather, but he's a good boy. <laughs> he's not as nice a boy as Mayweather. He's just like a good boy. Um, Rom passes on his abuse to his kids. Uh, as soon as Quark's mean to him, he goes and he's mean to his son. And he also attempts uh, fra- fratricide. Is that the one where you want to kill your bro? Yes. Okay. So he's pretty awful. Um, O'Brien is mad racist. As soon as Jake confirms that the Vulcans took Nog's homework, he lets the whole thing go. I would have made them both suffer. And then he's like, don't let your kid hang out with that gross Ferengi kid. He eats grubs and shit. Wait, I'm sorry. So you thought that O'Brien let it go because now a human vouched for that dumb story? Yes. Uh, that does not explain his look and sigh. <laughs> well, he's he was, a, the story let was it go dumb because from he the was start. Like, All right, fuck you two. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, angry dad, Cisco, kind of believable. Uh, yeah. Although in this one, unlike in Move Along Home, he didn't suddenly get black with him. <laughs> It's okay for us to say that, right? Well, look, that's what he's doing. Yeah, but when he barks at Jake, like I, f- I felt like it was real. I was like, oh, he used his angry dad voice. Uh, this is clearly... I feel like this is what how Avery Brooks prepared for this show. Dealing with his was kids? That he really prepared for that emissary character of he... Single Jake dad. is all he has left in this world, and he does not want to be here. And right. even though now he's in the Nagus... And last week he was in Move Along Home. It's true. Boy, he's this barely is, in the show. All of the prep that he did was for that. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Starfleet characters are barely in this show. Even Odo, like, you could take Odo out of this show entirely. wouldn't matter. All They had to get their one shot in where he transforms. Of course. Of so course. they had him transform through a door that I'm 99% sure should be airtight. <laughs> that looked like a door that's supposed to seal. Um... I think you're right. I think he joined the show. I think he signed on in the first place to play a dad. Yeah, he's like, I'm going to be, this is a different character. He's a family man. He's not (laughs) interested. He's not the big explorer pioneer. Yeah. Uh, And then they're like, great, third chap. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I think you're right. I think he, I think that might be why he seems so disinterested as an actor in everything else that happens on the show. Yeah. I think he thought this was going to be, like, full house, but in space. He's like, do you want to go play baseball on the holodeck? And and then he's like, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Dax, you used to be an old man. <laughs> is, it, are we, is that good? Is you that, guys need me to do a second take? You, is that literally what you want me to say? <laughs> All right. And if this is full house in space, is Bashir Uncle Jesse and O'Brien as Uncle Joey? Oh my god, how could Bashir be Uncle Jesse? Well, who, who's it gonna be? Odo? Kira? Is Kira Uncle Jesse? Not Quark. Quark's Uncle Jesse. Oh, yeah, I forgot about Quark, maybe. 
Yeah, Quark's Wait. Uncle Jesse. Wait, then who's Uncle... Who's, is O'Brien still Joey? Uh, no, because... I'm sorry, I did this. O'Brien's like a second Danny. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> this Full House has two Dannys. Uh, Uncle two Joey space is Bashir. Dannys. Bashir is Uncle Joey. Dude, this is the show we need to make. Full House in Space has got two space Dannys. <laughs> it's going to be a real hit. I have a feeling. Their joint wife died. Deej is a boy. And now her brother and their pal Joey moved in. Nog is Stephanie. <laughs> um, oh, so good. Um, yeah, so that's my read on uh, on Avery Brooks here. But you're right. No, the, yeah, there there are. I'm just again the bar is like, so. How low. can a guy who is so good at doing documentary voiceover be so bad in this show? And I think it's just. He prepared for one thing and was interested in that role, and now, like, if if you read that first script and it's like it's all about his experience at Wolf Three Five Nine, his yeah, kid doesn't want to be there, he doesn't want to be there. Then he's the emissary to the prophets, yeah. And there's like with Be- this Bajoran spiritual stuff going on and all that. It's very then, Cisco heavy for sure. And then you cut to, uh. Jeez. <clears throat> I mean these episodes all suck a lot. Yeah. But then you you cut uh you cut to an episode where he's doing a bad courtroom drama about Dax's past life yeah. or uh I don't even remember what the passenger like or an episode he's barely in that's about someone is taking over Bashir's body. Oh god. Or the the or move along home where he has one scene where he's sleepy at a party and then he has to play a board game. <laughs> it's like this is not what he signed on for. I think you're right. right? I think you're this right. Is, the character in The Emissary could lead to a lot of interesting places, and it just doesn't. Yeah, and neither does the show. Um, so, yeah, so he's kind of believable there. I I think I buy Embarking at Jake because I hate Jake. That might be part of it. But you're also right that somebody who makes me really care about what's happening on the Serengeti should be able to make me care about Star Trek, but just doesn't. Uh Best part of this Ferengi mess of an episode is very limited Bashir, Dax, Kira, and other shitty characters. It's just yeah. too bad about all the Jake, Quark, Nog, and other shitty characters. Yeah. <laughs> they really need at least one likable character. So It would be great the if they had one. I asked you, did you give this any points for characterization? Alright, hold on though. Is it weird that an entire episode about Quark didn't give me any new info about Quark? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, we know he has a cousin, Barbo. Does that mean he's been fully fleshed out? Like, that's it? That means Quark is done by seat, by episode 10. He's not going to... We're not going to learn anything new about his character at all. Well, um, I think it is a, it's a, it would be a very fair, easy argument to make to say that Armin Shimmerman has been the best actor of Deep Space Nine so far. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, maybe he just got... He has gotten his character through yeah, already. I guess that could be. Anyway, I gave it a three. A three. Yeah. Just uh, for Cisco z- yelling at his son. I give it zero points <laughs> for characterization. So here's what I had. Okay. Cisco likes baseball. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Sorry. Dax used to be an old dude. Yes, he did. Rom is an idiot. Yep. Quark sucks. Yeah, he does. O'Brien is down to earth. I actually meant to put salt of the earth. Oh, okay. Well, That's barely it. He's only in the first minute of the show anyway. Um, 
that's all uh, been covered before, and it all sucks. All right. What did Ben think? Yeah. Uh, uh, so Ben gave this uh, 12 points. So oh if you've been keeping up with Ben's scores, that ain't good. Right. Uh, he thinks this is about examining the ties that bind. Friends, family, duty. He actually says he doesn't get what they're doing here, but the game demands that he enters some guess. That's right. That is what the game demands. He also says there are low scores across the board, and because of that, a lot of his comments are just shoved wherever he thought of them, rather than in proper categories, because <laughs> it's difficult to sort through this trash. All right. Uh, he says, how is the leader of a major race able to surreptitiously get on board the station, and nobody cares? Yeah, well, again, we're not sure what his role is based on what we've seen so far, and... Um... Are the Frankie a major race? I'm not. I'm not clear. I mean, they're kind of a major race in this show. Okay. Yeah. Well, obviously, right. <laughs> um. Yeah. 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 He uh. He wants to know how they made Wallace Shawn's voice even more annoying. <laughs> he does. Uh. He does. Oh, yeah. This is. Uh. It's in my quick hitters. So we haven't done quick hitters yet. Right. Uh. But Ben wants to know. Uh, what the slug cat thing is that he's petting. It's a Corvin Gilvo, for sure. For <laughs> 100%. It's a Gilvo. He's petting a Gilvo. Good. They needed We've lots of before. attention. Yeah. That's what I've heard about them. Um, He says uh, it, it's interesting to him that uh, through all of the Quark episodes, he hates the character, but he's gaining respect for the actor who has to somehow deliver all of this performance. Man, who who would have thought going into this that Armin Shimmerman? He should listen to this. He's going to feel really good. Yeah, like... It's like the only one who gets show, compliments. It, it turns out this whole show is terrible, and he's kind of the most believable person. Right. Even though he's playing a cartoon character. Even though he's playing a literal sex trafficker. <laughs> That's right. And a uh, hirer of a- killers. Yes, like he works yeah. often with assassins, mercenaries, what have you. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's a normal part of his day. Um, I have a couple of quick hitters. Yeah, uh, did did you see that the Negus's assistant is played by an actor who is credited as Tiny Ron? No, oh, he's um, Tiny Ron. That's There's the guy ba- who plays the giant guy. Yeah, the mayor do. Yeah, Ma- mayor do. Yeah, is uh, Tiny Ron. That is one of those ironic nicknames. Yes. Cool. But he, that's his credit. He didn't, you didn't have to do that. <laughs> that's right. It could have been Ronald Schoenhausen or whatever your Austrian name is. Right. Uh, no, I can't read. We somehow didn't mention that at all. Uh, that's because I just don't care. That was what I meant by Jake cares about those who need his help. Yeah. yeah. But yes. Yes. yes yeah. In right. the end, it's, it's heartwarming when Cisco sees jake teaching nog to read secretly uh but like he's like 14 (laughs) well i get that rom doesn't put a lot of stock in education but literacy i mean when rom just straight shouts at him no studying yes i mean you kind of get it yeah guy's been cleaning the bar since he was two um nog's outfit when they're fucking dangling their feet off the off the thing is so insane. He's got like little buckled green boots. He's like a leprechaun and, in a mariachi. And green tights and then a different color green shorts and then that uh Ferengi mariachi cut red top. Uh 
it's amazing. It it's like out of a Renaissance painting if if a Renaissance artist had painted Ferengi. Dude, <laughs> dude, I just had a great idea. That'd be a great meme, by the way. Famous Renaissance paintings, but they're all Star Trek races. <laughs> um, like Mo- Mona Lisa's Bajoran. That would be an easy fix. Um, dude, for Halloween, we should dress like Ferengi, but don't do any of the alien makeup. Just wear <laughs> their crazy getups. <laughs> Because I think that would be amazing. Yeah, good luck getting gray boots. <laughs> yeah, I know. It might take some work. Take a little bit of work. We'll have to start now, probably. Putting our outfits together. <laughs> uh, and I put Quark has a Gilvo. Nice. Excited for like, the last time we saw those guys, uh, Riker and Worf were rushing them out of a burning classroom. Well, it looks like they made it. Yeah. If those, I hope that's the same Gilvo. I don't. It could be a different Gilvo. Now it's a slave. Those guys are not uh, rare, like the thing that Data is. Rare, like the Lulu Lulu. Lulu. Lulu I don't Lulu. remember what that one's called. I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure he tells us. Uh, you must have some quick hitters. Yeah. Okay. So Morn can laugh. We've never heard him speak, but he can laugh. Um, I was super hoping, by the way, in the scene where they're setting up for the party. When Morn is lurking in the background, I was hoping that he would just stand there a while and then dejectedly walk away. <laughs> yeah, it's but, like and that they would never call attention to him; it would just be a background gag. We're like, that's Morn. There's yeah. Morn back there, but no. Uh, I would have lit. I probably would have given it a point for characterization for having one good bit in the episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as we mentioned, Wallace Shawn doing some real good Wallace Shawn laughing and stuff in this. Yep. <clears throat> uh, all the Keiko stuff. Quark thinks that the Nagus, whatever his role really means, Quark obviously thinks he's very important. He thinks he came to buy his shitty bar that he's always complaining doesn't make him any money. Yeah, it's weird. It happens three times in the episode. So Quark thinks he's here there to buy the bar. Then the Nagus tells his son that the key was the bar. That he was supposed to play the bar. And then at the end... He's and also Rom super wants this bar. I just he and complains every end, episode it doesn't make him any money. He threatens to buy the bar again, and it's and he tells him we got a very it's very prof very profitable. I can't do it. <laughs> it's okay. You don't it's need a to very do profitable uh, setup here at this bar, and it's like oh, really because that's not how Quark has portrayed it at all. Although maybe he's doing a lot better since uh, the Wadi left all of them golden gems there. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> But that still does not reflect on the bar. I'm just saying. I was confused about that whole premise. Um, Ferengi in both the A and B plots, so we were really lucky. We lucked out. Yep. Um, That's what you want. When Cisco said, wait until Molly's 14, I immediately thought, Molly's what, two or three years younger than Alexander? He said she's three. How come at the is, end of I this I think series... is already too old, because this is aligned with season six, right? Of the next generation, uh, yes. So she should one. probably be like one to two at this point. That's correct, because she's born in season five, so she should be one. Well, they get married in season three, right? Yes, yeah, so she should be a year old. So they've already aged her up to three. But I just thought to myself, and this is where my mind always goes: she's what two to three years younger than Alexander. How come at the end of this series she's still a little girl and Alexander's conservatively twenty three years old? <laughs> It's a good question. I'll never be Alex- able to let it go. At the end of this series, they brought the guy who plays Jerok back to play Alexander <laughs> again. 
but just straight up this time, not time travel stuff. <laughs> Father, it's me! I'm your boy, your sweet boy Alexander! I'm gonna spit my lines out. Yeah. Um, they straight up call the Federation do-gooders. Like, they're yep. admitting they're the bad guys, but like bad guys in old comic books. Yep, exactly. The Ferengi, when they get their council together. Uh, my favorite Ferengi we already talked about. The the creepy-voiced, evil, scheming Ferengi who hates the Nagus' son. And the, yep. But the way he screams in the meeting, The Nagus! The Nagus! Made me so happy. <laughs> uh, real slapstick Rom, when he interrupts Sisko in sickbay with... Oh, Grand Nagus Quark! Before <laughs> retreating out of the shot. Oh, oh yeah, I see what he did. When when Cisco says Quark and he goes, Ah, oh, 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 Grand Nagus Quark! And then he backs out of the shot. Yeah. Real slapstick. Again, I know, I know that in a couple of seasons, Rom's going to be like kind of a sweet character that you're supposed to like. Yeah. They took a while to figure that one out. Yeah, they because he's real garbage so far. The goal is to make him detestable. It seems. All right, that's all I got. Yeah, so uh, I gave the best actor to Wally Shawn, but I put Wally Shawn maybe. Okay, because there's not a lot going on in this one. Uh, worst actor, Rom. I don't know the Ganate guy's name, and I don't care. <laughs> there you go. Smoked him. Uh, I totaled it up. Um, we gave this episode a full twenty-six points. That's not great. So that's pretty bad. They're really not doing well. They're... Look, they got 15 points last week, but that's that's almost that's almost impossible to get. They're really 26 is bad. It's two worse than Haven. So they're floundering. You you guys, you did worse than Haven. <laughs> Keep it in mind. You you did less you did less good than Haven, and also more bad. So both of them enjoy that. Um. On a Voyager. What order did you watch them in this week? Did you um, watch... Where did you watch this Deep Space Nine episode? Believe it or... Oh, I watched it first. Yeah. I watched it... I always watch the one that scored the worst first the next week in case ah. there's a bias in how I'm seeing them. Ah, okay. So, really, you had the whole rest of the week as a palate cleanser. That's correct. This. Yes. Uh, I don't know that it's happening, but I feel like it is... You could argue that Voyager is probably going to get a couple of points bump every week from... <laughs> Just based on the fact that I always watch it after Deep Space Nine. Yeah. And it's just it's just not as bad as Deep Space Nine. That's why I try uh, to mix it up. But yes, that definitely could could be happening. Uh this week, Matthew, we watched State of Flux. Voyagers doing some foraging on an alien world when they encounter a hidden Kazon vessel. Finding Federation technology aboard the Kazon ship, the crew starts to suspect Fresca after she went off the grid near the Kazon landing party. Eventually, after another Kazon vessel demands the return of their ship and everything on board, they're uh, able to determine that it was just a food replicator. Unfortunately, they're correct that Fresca did it, plus she's a Cardi, so... What? what? Yep. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what happens. Um, before we dive too far in, because I realize that we actually don't generally talk about the plot of these episodes very much. Well, we just described it. Yeah. Yes. Um, the thing where she was in the cave, yeah. was that a red herring? Like, 
that's not when she gave them the parts, is it? Uh, I don't think that's when she gave them the parts, but I do think she was meeting with them. I think she okay. has a regular relationship with them. Or it's like she had communicated hit- with them previously, but maybe that's when she physically gave them the parts. But then they must have blown themselves up basically immediately. Yeah, I really like get it kind of doesn't make sense. I'm not exactly sure, but I do get the feeling she was purposefully meeting with them. I don't know if yeah. that's when she handed over the goods or not. <clears throat> um, I had a little trouble with what this episode is is asking, mm. like what the premise is. And uh, here's where I landed and we could talk about it. Um, can you ever really know another person? That's that's close to what I had. So, Mine, I think, was more cynical. Okay. Mine was never trust a woman. Okay, um, I will say that I had I had written down... So often I write the first cynical thing that pops in my head and then erase it and erase it or something better. <laughs> That's very good and of you. I had immediate... my The immediate thing that I wrote down as soon as the episode ended was never trust a big button a smile. <laughs> That's right, exactly. Poison. Um, because we learn in this episode, and it would have been nice if they'd baked it in before this... That Chakotay and Seska had some kind of relationship. Uh, who's Seska? I meant Fresca, Thank of you. course. Thank you. <laughs> you and Ben make the same joke. So, <sighs> when are you going to have your kids? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, you're totally right. That, I, and we, and again, we'll get into it. But I think what happened was somebody wrote this episode, and the person who wrote it wrote that they were in a relationship, and that's why there has been no building up to it. Yeah. It was never in it was never intended to have happened. So it's like there are points in here like in in my total for this episode there are a couple of points because they have turned some a couple of minor characters that would have been throwaways on either Deep Space 9 or The Next Generation and definitely in the original series. Right. Literally they would have thrown kind, them away. Like kind of arcs, like there's some some continuity here so they're I, th- I think I put the points in characterization, even though it's not about major characters so much. Do they get double bonus points because they're taking up that plot time at the expense of Tom Paris, which is a good thing? I mean, there's not a lot of Paris trying to get Kim laid, which is great. <laughs> it's fantastic. Uh, I mean, I still didn't get a huge score in characterization, but like... So... <sighs> this is a Chakotay soul-searching episode. And a dumb, a dumb whodunit. It's a dumb whodunit. Yeah. In addition, like all of the characterization that's done in here is about Chakotay. Yeah. And he's and pretty it's just blank. It's basically him questioning whether he is an idiot. That's <laughs> correct. Out uh, loud a lot of the time. And the answer at the end is, yeah, probably. I guess. <laughs> I guess you're not a kind of a big deal running your little mocky pirate ship. Yeah. Uh, but Seska is somebody that we are told and not really shown he should know well Mm -hmm. and he has a lot of faith in her through most of the episode right but now in the end she uh she makes like that romulan ambassador or that romulan pretending to be a vulcan (laughs) ambassador i now don't remember her name Uh, sealock sure something like that i don't know to, to praying, I don't. <laughs> I never remember them. Right. Uh, In Data's day, yes. Beams over to live with the Kazon, and uh, she knows they don't have replicators. Yeah. Well, so yeah, that's what's she getting into. That's a choice. Like, wouldn't jail be better? 
Starfleet jail seems like it would be better. Seems like it'd be better, right? Yeah. Like they're not going to space her for this shit. Yeah. She gave them a replicator and it blew up and killed them instantly. Right. D- did you say what you gave it for ex- uh, for a take yet? Uh 4 points. Okay. I gave it It's one. a question and questions get less are worth less to me than statements. Yeah, that's uh, that yeah, as it should be. I gave and... it a 1. Okay. So what is it for you? What was oh, your take on Never it? trust a woman. Oh, never trust a woman. I yeah, didn't that's a change sh- it. That would be a very shitty take. I saw it and I went, wow, this is fucking, this is some real 90s bullshit. What's happening here? Because uh, he hella got ben, tricked by a cardi woman. Stole his Ben's soul. take is, is who are you really? So I guess we're, uh, we're all sort of in the, the same ballpark there. Although, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. None of, it's because she uses, she tries to use sex with Chakotay early, right? To get out of. Stealing those a, mushrooms. The, a minor, a minor scrape. Yeah, they just don't. They they do a real old school thing that I don't. You probably wouldn't be able to get away with it as easily, though. They probably still do it on TV all the time because TV writers are hacks, where they just they make the lady a bad, a bad harpy who stole your soul. Yep. Um, you were trying to be good, but she made you do bad. That's exactly correct. And you were powerless against her lady powers. So I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just didn't know if we were getting into execution or, uh, or whatever. No, I mean so. Uh, I, I give it a four again in execution, because they spent too much time on the episode as the who done it, and yeah. not enough time actually thinking about how how well you know someone and why you have this faith in them. Right. Um. I'm not going to lie, I mean, other than adding more and more Fresca to each episode for no good reason, because we've noticed this in the last few weeks that she's been in it. Yeah. The, her actual betrayal is fairly well hidden. Again, I don't want to give them too much credit, because I think a different writer wrote this episode and just made up the whole thing on the spot. And there's, they've no, it's, not been preparing. It's true, because there are... When we we've seen her clash with the Federation before, and the excuse for that is because she is a Maquis. Maquis, right? It's built in. But now it's like, okay, but she's even like there's another level to that, which is she straight up was a Cardassian infiltrator, and she she wanted no part of being here. Right. Like her her mission has gone completely tits up. That's exactly correct. And. You- you know, they they mask her weird off-the-grid caving adventures by having her fight off some Kazons. She drops verbiage like, thank the prophets, and she pals around with all the Maquis all the time. And So whether they meant to or not, they do a good job of of sneaking this betrayal entirely into this episode. But again, they also put their entire relationship that they have between them in this episode. Yep, it would have been nice if they could have hinted at it in a couple, like... But they oh, couldn't because they it. didn't we know. We don't have to see it in the pilot, but like, right? You've shown her about five times so far. Yeah, they I think it's because they've just stayed away from Chakotay so much. Oh, thank God, he's horrible. I mean, it's not. No, the reason it is is because it was made up for this episode. But That's it's like, right. Uh, there just hasn't been enough Chakotay and to, Ch- to learn about his relationships with these people. And Chakotay and company start to suspect her early enough in the episode that TV convention dictates she's innocent. Right, you're supposed to think it's not her. Right. 
So again, I mean, if they weren't, they, it's a double triple cross. Exactly. Yeah. Audience. If they weren't shoehorning her into this episode and so much, I might not have known anything necessarily important was up. So it's not a bad job on that point of executing the episode. But in terms of my premise, also like imagine if you didn't have meta knowledge about the show, like you didn't know that she's not always going to be around, and also you hadn't seen that she's not on any of the posters. Right. So, like, you've been just been watching this in a vacuum, and you're like, oh, no, she keeps showing up. Like, they're pushing this character. Right. I mean, again, trying to... I don't really remember much about this show in general, but I'm trying to make sure I'm thinking of it, like, the first time you watch it. You right. Know? I think you're right that, that you would... You would not be immediately suspicious. Yeah. Um... And the last touch of the tech being a food replicator, I think, gets some extra points for having a cohesive message about what happens when one fancy ship goes to the other side of the galaxy and how it affects everybody on that side of the galaxy and the lengths the Kazon are going to mm-hmm. just to get something that the Federation takes for granted, like the ability to eat stuff. Yep. So I like a lot, a lot of the stuff and it, it's real Voyagery. What we've learned about Voyager in the first 10 episodes is that they're good at doing those kinds of things. Agreed. But the actual premise it's just such a garbage 90s premise, and their execution on it is more Chakotay's kind of a dummy, and less she's an evil evil lady and all ladies are evil or anything. So, I don't know. I, I, I gave it a 6 based on the overall quality of what they were doing. It could have gotten more if it was... If there was more about Chakotay and Fresca and how this whole thing went down. Yeah, um, you know what I actually wrote uh, for uh, for execution, which I always write every week, is Don't Suck is uh i didn't hate this episode but it's just sort of a whodunit with some minor betrayal stuff worked in yeah it's like you're right it feels like it felt like a voyager episode i wasn't at no point was like oh this is the bad episode i just i before this project started i could never have believed that feels like a voyager episode would not be a horrible insult right no very surprised uh, by what's happening i also have been like i I definitely would have said, oh, DS9 was pretty okay, and Voyager was the pits. <laughs> right. And, uh, boy, is it boy is it the other way around. Yeah, so far. Like, oh, hey, Voyager, they're doing some stuff. They're, and they're showing some, they have some interesting stuff going on here. Not every character is great, but some of that's acting. Yep. Um, I didn't think they did much world building here. Okay. So they reinforced all of the replicator stuff, and I think it had been so long that we did need a reminder of who the Kazon are and like the way in which they're because all of the spacefaring societies we've seen in Star Trek are basically the Federation mm-hmm. with slightly different value systems. Yes. Uh, whereas here we're seeing one somehow these guys have gotten to space, but they don't have the replicator technology. I'm do they have transporters? I don't I'm not sure they do. Uh, no, yeah, the transporter seems like a surprise to them when they beam onto that planet in the first episode. Right. Uh, so I did like that, but there's not... Like, it is cool that the item is a replicator. But the fact that the accident occurs because the replicator's shielding is too thin... So if a replicator's shielding is too thin, it will explode in a way that fuses everybody's bodies with metal... Seems like I could have done some more testing on that product. <laughs> How come this doesn't happen five times a day on Deep Space Nine? Yeah, shit's always blowing up and sparking around and, and shit. The replicators have been implicated in shit on yeah. Deep Space Nine and the Next Generation in the years to come. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, but apparently, if you build a replicator wrong, it becomes a real horror show. Well, that's good to know, I guess. So, and other than that, there was not much world building going on here. I gave it a two. Let's see. Like, I guess she's gone. She's undergone some radical cosmetic surgery. Yeah, but... Which we haven't seen much so far, if you're going in this project order. Yeah, I mean, we saw but it in Enterprise. in chronological order, we've seen it a ton. Yeah, we've seen, it, we've seen it in Enterprise a few weeks ago where the doctor plastics them up to look like those aliens. Uh, yeah, that's right. I mean, he just he just put some slap some shit on their heads, but that's fine. Yeah, um, yeah, hers is obviously more extensive. Um, so again, reminder that they have to forage now because they have power reserve issues or whatever. So more mm-hmm. coping in the Delta Quadrant oh, stuff. You know, I'm gonna actually I'm gonna bump it up a point because uh, one thing that I f- forgot was their their onboard food issues are actually interesting, and the fact that she has broken into the food stockpile Mm -hmm. and that that is something that affects everybody. Yeah. That doesn't happen in star Trek. That's not right. That's one of the ways in which Voyager is different from the next generation. So I I actually, I had a two, I'm going to give it a three. Uh, Neelix knows a ton about fruits and veggies throughout this sector for some reason. Yep. Federation technology is easily recognizable out here in the Delta quadrant, which makes sense, I guess Uh, they can just detect it from fucking, miles away and shit. Uh, I like how each episode shows the impact the Federation's already had on this quadrant. This time it's the Kazon losing their shit to get their hands on some sweet replicator tech. Uh, Engineers appear to have their own stations. I always thought that each station had its own purpose, and whoever was working on that task was at that station, but Carrie seems to indicate that he has a station. That's just like... Uh, And you can do stuff from there. I actually... I think if you watched that again... It, my take on that was someone said it happened at his station and he was like, my station? Like... Like he didn't know what they were talking about? Like, I, yeah, I guess maybe I usually work at one place, but it's not... Mm. I don't think that... I, I, don't, I think he was saying, like... I, I mean, it's not really my station, it's engineering. Oh, okay. Well, you'd think they'd know that, jeez. <clears throat> um... Uh, Cardis are known for doing that plastic surgery shit. It turns out that's what they say about them in that episode, mm. so they can get their spy on good. That uh, seems unlikely because, uh, like, those thick neck tendons seem like they're structural. Yeah, you wouldn't want to take those out. I, like, I would feel like taking load those bearing. out would be real difficult. Uh, transporter code XJL, I guess, is Fresca's special transporter code that means be- beam to a Kazon ship. It seemed like not a good transporter code. Limited use. Like, it, it seemed like it was hard for her to spit XJL out. It took her, like, that long. Like, like Adam Carolla, it, she XJL. needs to go, It should have been transporter code Pete. Yeah, it should have been transporter code Pete, exactly. <laughs> it's a nice hard puh sound that you get out right away. Uh, uh, that's all I had for world building. I gave it a four. Okay. Yeah, in general, you're enjoying this episode a little more than me. Yeah. Uh, characterization. Yeah. Neelix claims to be the king of camping. Also the title of my new Korean reality game show. <laughs> um, Chakotay was all in from the first minute Janeway made him a commander. Like with Starfleet stuff. It makes 100%, me yeah. think he... He had a Starfleet background, right? Yeah, it makes me think he probably didn't hate Starfleet so much as he hated not being important. Could be. And now that he's XO, he fucking loves this shit. Or, I mean, again, who knows if we'll ever get any actual character development on Chakotay. Yeah. 
it could have just been that he didn't even think that the Federation was necessarily doing the wrong things, but he felt like his people needed protecting more than the Federation interests, or he had a divided loyalty or something. Whatever it is, he's all in on Starfleet. Yeah, no, it's true. It's immediately all in. Fucking mad about stolen mushrooms, and he's super bothered that half his Maquis crew was working for other states. Yeah. He's he's not happy about that at all, to find that out. Uh, In the end, he was able to see through that evil woman when she tried to trick him one last time. In the end. Yeah, but it almost seemed like he was able to see through her because he's like a a low self-esteem guy. She doesn't like me anyway. And he's like, nah, now it all makes sense. <laughs> she never liked me. Wah, never. Wah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Balana straight throwing shade at Scotty and the whole tradition of Starfleet engineers. They make a mm-hmm. really, they make a point of having her cut off the conversation with Janeway to exaggeratedly say how she's not going to fucking pack in extra time. She's not, to she's her. not padding her estimates yeah, at all. It's like, if I say it takes two hours, it takes two hours. That's what it takes. And they give you another moment later to show you that oh no she is she does work fast and efficiently when she's like, like it's, oh it's already she's done. not that's not just lip service right right um not much out of Janeway or Tuvok in this one really they just did their uh, whodunit business so yep I uh, give it a four <clears throat> okay um I so Chicote realizing he's not the great commander he thinks he is is something and right. had to have anything for chakotay is something it's true he's so bland right um but mostly this is where i stuck the points for having arcs mm. an arc for seska and at least carrie hasn't disappeared it's true yeah carrie and, not only appears he's... and they make reference to his relationship with torres and a bunch of stuff right so. yeah and he's proven in recent episodes that he's a good engineer and stuff like he's yeah, yeah he's around so, um, uh, because I dumped a couple extra points in there, it's a five for me. I, I still didn't, there was not a lot of character work in here. Yeah, again, mostly um, Chakotay. Yeah, it's mostly Chakotay, and we still don't really get his motivations or anything in there. Right, we just spent a lot of time trying to figure out what the hell was his deal leaving Starfleet, because he loves it so much. Right. <clears throat> um... So, uh, this is going to be a rare episode where I scored it a point higher than you, but before we do the totals... Mm. Uh, I had almost no quick hitters for this. I just, uh, I had a gut bad reaction to Seska cuddling up to Chakotay. Oh, yeah. One, keep your sex out of my Star Trek. Right. And two, we know nothing of their relationship. It just came out of nowhere. And it's just like, oh, oh, no, no, thank you. I agree. Um, Ben liked that they addressed the elephant in the room. Was Chakotay just a dummy? He, again, Chakotay even says it out loud a few times, like, am I just dumb? What's going on? Yeah, or are Tuvok and Seska brilliant spies? Yeah. It's hard to imagine that Tuvok was a brilliant spy. He doesn't seem brilliant at anything, except like, having I, dog witnesses w- at his trials. I, def- <laughs> I definitely would not send a Vulcan to do this <laughs> infiltration role. Yeah, it seems weird. Um, let's see. Um... Uh, how do how does Neelix know that those apple pears will kill all these humans, Bajorans, Klingons, and Vulcans? Yep, that's a very good question. Might as well take some back and figure it out, right? You can just study them. Uh, who planted? I think he all those... took it to heart when the aliens in the in the phage said that they were all compatible lung donors for him, oh. and now he just figures anything that hurts him will hurt them. That's true. A single bite will kill everyone. <laughs> it's true. 
<laughs> Who planted all those uh, Leola carrots? They looked like perfectly spaced and nicely packed in on that planet. Like it's that looked question. like a crop. It's a real good question. Probably the Kazon. They probably just live in those caves. That's right. Don't just steal their fruits. No wonder they need a replicator. They they took them all. They took our carrots. Uh, typical Starfleet going around shooting Polaron beams and shit at everybody they come across. Oh, for sure. They love to do Be- that. Before I knew it was the Kazon, I was like, well, what if those hidden dudes just didn't want any trouble? Maybe they, maybe that's why they're stealth, because they don't want to get into it with anybody. Why are you shooting your Polaron beams at them? Just leave them alone. Uh, Lieutenant Carey's a good engineer. Uh, Fresca with the racist animal guide remark. Not oh, meant yep. Not meant in a nice way like when Janeway is racist. No. <laughs> That's true. It's racism with a different intent. Uh, another fucking Poirot accusation circle at the end. Where they oh, get yeah. everyone together and explain how they knew she was guilty or whatever. Yep. This time the sick bay is the accusing parlor. Right. Uh, fucking as soon as Fresca re- is revealed to be a Cardassian, she changes the way she's talking. She kind of like when Bashir becomes a bad guy in DS9 is how she sounds. Right. For no reason. Awful. So she's just been play acting the entire time. Yeah. Uh, nobody in sickbay even moved a muscle when she pulled that transporter code. Like, nope. for several seconds. Like, no one is a little, even a little bit jumpy, I guess. Also, there's like uh, five Kazon ships in the system at this point. Voyager's just cruising around with its shields down. I know. Yeah, not even like yellow alert. <laughs> yeah, just, oh, just let her beam anywhere. <laughs> Just blank stares from everyone in the room, which is good news for the special effects guy. That's he, true. <laughs> he can really get that transporter beam working. That's all I had. There's no one's doing any business in the background that he has to paint out. That's right. Um, yeah, I, I didn't mean I had nothing. Yeah. Uh, best actor I gave to Bellana, I guess. Okay. And worst actor to Chicote for sure. Yeah, Robert Beltran. As Marshawn calls him. He ain't great. He's not good. Again, I saw him in an 80s post-apocalyptic teen zombie movie, and he was the same guy. Just wooden. Uh, so, until you came out swinging for the fences on Corbomite Maneuver, I thought there was a fair chance this would win the week. Mm. Uh, it did not come close in the end, in part because I, I bumped my score up for Corbomite also. Mm. Um. But I scored it a 16, and you scored it a 15. So I had 16 for this and 16 for Corbomite originally. Okay. Uh, so it's 31, so it is in second place. But Corbomite ended up scoring 44, so... Um, Voyager's still plugging along. Let me ask you this again, and I realized that I didn't ask you this about the other shows. Did you enjoy watching Haven? Kinda. I kind of did too, right? <laughs> Even though did. I asked the question, is this the worst episode of The Next Generation? I kind of did. <laughs> I did. I liked Riker being a fucking dummy, and I liked all of, I liked all the terrible nonsense with Wyatt and all that stuff. I didn't really like any of the Luoxana Troy scenes. Those aren't enjoyable for me to watch. But like some of it. Um, and what about the Negus? I did not enjoy watching that. I kind of didn't either. I didn't like it. It wasn't great. Uh, so, State of Flux. This is, by the way, not an episode that I remembered at all. No, me neither. I may not have watched this the first time. Did you enjoy it? Mm, not really. 
No, kind of not, right? No, I didn't. I didn't. So are you trying to, once again, posit the theory that there is an inverse relationship? I, I am questioning. Well, but Corbomite scored well, and I did enjoy watching Corbomite. That is true. I did enjoy it. I'm just trying to get to the bottom of this. Oh, yeah, good why luck. We're, why we're doing this <laughs> yes, show. Yes, that's the real question. How we feel about it. <laughs> Again, and the uh, the question you asked earlier, do I hate sci-fi? That is, like, a really good question. Because yeah. we are doing this whole project. What? It's at least a fair question to ask. Again, the hang-up with the whole project. We have to watch a Deep Space Nine episode every time. There are lots of problems with what is happening. All right, should we move uh, on to the last one? Uh, yeah, this week we watched Cold Front. Just wanted to pick something nice. Just something good. Oh, that's about the Cold War. Oh, okay, I got you. <clears throat> it's thematic. I, I picked Yakety Sax right away. <laughs> um, so, you know, now, now I'm letting the episodes guide me. Uh, Enterprise makes contact with some pilgrims hoping to see a neutron star do a thing. Yeah. But uh, everything is something else and it's time travel and so on. Yep, I can't argue with that. Um, so, <clears throat> no, no, I need you. The Sulabon and... from the pilot are back, right? And they're again, they're taking orders from a shadowy figure, and but now there's a yeoman that we've never seen before, but he's not a yeoman; he's a time agent, a secret time agent. Who protects the timeline by telling everybody about it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because he never saw butterfly effect. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then I... the Sulaban kills him, but then Archer shoots the device he's trying to steal, but then he jumps out into space anyway. <sighs> yeah, yeah. I need you. It's a mess. I need you and Ben to talk me into giving this episode points. <laughs> Because right now there are some zeros on the board. So, so why don't you tell me about what you thought this episode was about? So I asked myself, what is this episode? What is this episode teaching? Yeah. And all I've got, yep. and I'm not strong on this, is sometimes blind faith can be a virtue. I mean, yeah, maybe. We're not even sure at the end of this episode whether he's... Whether he's done the right thing? Yeah, it's very... Nothing has been questioned. It is blind faith. You're totally right in that. He questions that He questions absolutely nothing. Yeah. The guy shows him uh, one one fancy projector. Yeah. He projects the constellations onto the ceiling of his bedroom. Yeah. And he's, inst he's all in. Yeah. 100% in. And this is, by the way, so like I said, uh, I don't know if I said it, I gave that three points. That's not great. That's okay. not a great message. Uh, but also, it is possible to read this as Archer is just a xenophobe and just believes him because he's a human. I, I could believe that. Archer sucks. Archer sucks a lot. The B plot is also about faith. Uh, because those guys way. are going to see their mystical... Because 
they're on a religious pilgrimage and the show i think goes out of the out of its way to show that a these guys are totally cool they are the coolest pilgrims this is not a star trek religion is bad right and also and i realized that this is the sulaban in this in this engagement mm. but it's like tucker is really talking down to these people yes on his tour and they're like yeah we know we know all this stuff yeah, but they're not even dicks about that it's true they're hella cool so it's like it really shows these people in a good light yeah and then also flocks does a lot of talking about faith i really think this is an episode of, i mean it's not right this is a plot episode pure plot episode yes but that is the message that's possible to take away is hey faith can be good okay but, but so that's it, what I have. I don't think that's worth much. That's a three point for me. Uh, ben gave it one point. All right. And so. he said, and his take is, blech, now there's weird shit in time as well as space. <laughs> so makes a super good point here. And we'll, uh, this is more execution, I think, than that. But he, he doesn't think that that's necessarily a bad premise in itself, but that there was no reason for them to go there. Yeah, this uh, this prequel is set up so that all of space is an unknown. Yeah, you don't have to start messing around. And he says, I feel like you could have given the assignment to a high school English class to come up with plot lines and they'd have had 30 of them in an hour. That's correct. So there's no reason to start introducing a temporal Cold War. Now, it's in the pilot. Yeah. Did it? Yeah. Uh, neither one of you came up with anything or felt strong enough about the things you came up with to convince me this isn't a zero. <laughs> I'm putting no take. So you're giving a I'm giving for no it take. the first no take. There's that no take. A, that is such a dangerous precedent. I just, I want to save it for special circumstances. This feels like a special circumstance. This was all, okay, the beginning is plot, the middle's exposition, and the end is plot. And at no yeah. point did I get the feeling that anything was happening outside of explaining what the temporal cold war is which they still do a real bad job yeah of. yeah who cares right i mean it's a real big who cares and who knows like, I just, oh I don't know what... i'm not really in starfleet oh yeah i'm from earth sort of yeah he, he doesn't even <sighs> he just shows him the cosmo canyon room <laughs> like like grandfather and i don't know what i'm supposed to take away from it because again I'm not even sure they're saying Faith is good or not, because we have no idea whether... Some of Archer's crew are like, oh, I don't know, what if this guy's, like, lying? And yeah. what what does it mean? Like, we don't know. And he's just like, no, we're all in. We're doing what this guy said, because I met him. And I know I know he's brought me orange juice. And he wouldn't do us dirty. I just, I don't <laughs> know, I don't think there was anything there. I just couldn't come up with anything. I thought about it all week. I watched this episode on... Monday... And we're recording this on a Friday. I thought about it all week. I couldn't come up with anything. So how do you give an execution score for a no-take premise? I give it a zero. It has no take. I don't know how it executed it. As an episode, it was not good. That's, yeah, that's so my take. This is an episode we're definitely going to have some differences on. <laughs> I mean, I actually gave it a six for execution. Oh, okay. Um... I thought there was a lot of a lot of evidence for the premise that I came up with like and that always happens when it's back constructed. Yeah, again like the pilgrims were cool dudes. Yeah. Uh 
So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how much we want to talk about. <laughs> Is it going to be zeros across the board? There's no, got to no. be some world building. Yeah, right? there are aspects to the episode. So, so let there's... me tell you what I have for world building. All right. Since all you have to talk about is what's coming up next, uh, <laughs> um, I don't want to break pla- the system. I just I don't I don't know what to do with this. There's plasma storms. We learned some more about how the Enterprise subsystems work. They've got a big movie library. Well, there's the first. I think the ship to ship docking might be new. I think they've just used shuttle pods before. Yeah, that looked pretty new. Uh, and then of course of the temporal cold war, Daniels's phasing device, etc. I give it about five points for world building. There's definitely some. I give it a six. So, a ton of exposition about the Temporal Cold War. It's all pretty hurried. But they still made a serious attempt at both world building and continuity. Because this is something that was brought up earlier in the season and had been abandoned. And now they're bringing it back so they can, I don't know, prove that they have continuity, I guess. So that should be rewarded. I gave it a six. Okay. I'm not going to get into the specifics of the Temporal Cold War because it's uh, nonsense. Well, there's not a lot left. Yeah. We we don't know that much about the Temporal Cold War still. It's also... Well, there's all this stuff about how he's from the 29th century. These other guys yes. are from the 22nd century. Oh, and they signed these No, they're temporal... not. They're from... Whatever. 20... They're from some point between the 22nd and 29th. Right. And it's like, oh, we signed the Temporal Accords with people vowed to not do bad stuff with time travel but these guys disagree and that's he i mean literally it's just a download he just it is, gives but, a download and but I, I also feel like we still don't know anything yes that's correct and we don't know anything about the organization that he works for or why it's okay for him to make contact with archer and tell this him, way and just yeah and just give people downloads on it that seems yeah. like it would be against the temporal accords but it seems like it'd be real problematic yeah um what about enterprise's sweet spot characterization <laughs> Uh, so, uh, during the first act of this show, I thought that we were getting kind of a Lower Decks thing, mm. with, with the... uh, Travis and Reed and Hoshi on the bridge. Yes. Um, but even so, there's still very little characterization. So here's what I had for characterization. Okay. Flox is very curious. Yeah. Archer isn't easily fooled. Unless he is. Yeah, right. He doesn't buy the Sulaban stuff at all. Right. The dog still likes cheese. Two points. <laughs> That's continuity, too. Uh, Lieutenant Reed is in this episode, and he's suspicious of aliens. Yep. Hoshi and Mayweather are silly boys. They are silly boys. Archer has a dumb smirk on his face the whole episode, and I wish he'd get sucked into a jet engine. <laughs> Other than that, not a lot coming out of him. Even though he's in most of the episode. T'Pol thinks time travel is impossible. Star Trek is going to make her look like a damn fool. Yeah. She's gonna. She's really wrong. She's on the wrong side of history with this one. And the flock stuff, I give it a three. Okay. So you did end up giving it nine points. Which I do want to say is more than you gave Move Along Home. Move so home even a problem. with zeros in the top half, this is still not your worst ever rating. That shows you how bad Move Along Home was. That is a tie for my worst ever rating. <laughs> uh, however. Which, uh, which one did you give a nine? Uh, I gave a nine to Move Along Home. Okay, yeah, Move Along Home was a real problem. <laughs> despite mm. Fallow. Despite his presence. <clears throat> All right. 
well, uh, quick hitters? Yeah, I have some. Uh, I thought it was very unsettling every time the Suleban called him John. Yeah. Like, he just calls him John over and over again. I thought that was probably the most unsettling part of a guy who's got a creepy face and had a needle go into his eye in the beginning. <laughs> right? You don't like it when he uses people's first names? Too familiar. It's, why is he being so familiar? Agreed. Um, T'Pol is incapable of admitting that the time travel premise might be what's really happening. Yep. Like, she's just incapable of it. But also, why does Tucker care whether she admits it or not? Like, he's too invested in it. Yeah, I don't really get their whole, their whole like, thing. They're, I, oh, they're not supposed to like each other. Yes. Mm. McCoy and Spock or whatever. That's uh, it. Yeah. Did you have some actual quick hitters? Uh, I hate, oh, I hate the constant references to the unseen chef. Who's yeah. just called Chef. Yeah, totally unnecessary. Yeah, it's uh, not cute. Oh, dang, I forgot these weird-looking dudes. Is this continuity? So, how long has Daniels been chilling on the Enterprise waiting tables? Yeah. Oh, uh, they mention how long the mission has been going on up until this point also. Yeah. Uh, and what have they... How long was that again? Like four months and two weeks or oh, something that's like right. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Archer never bothered to rehearse what he might say to somebody in first contact situations. Nope. He, his plan was wing it. He's hella nervous and awkward when he meets Captain Fraddock or whatever his name is. Yes. Ugh, I just, okay. How, he, when he first, when he first made contact, I thought might have been played by Kevin Uxbridge. <laughs> you hope. Like under all that makeup, but it just was not the case. No. How did the Universal Translator immediately know what Captain Fraddock was saying, as well as the spiritual pilgrims? Mm-hmm. Haven't they been uh, making a big deal about how they need Hoshi for all this first contact stuff? Yeah, also, no decontamination protocols of any kind. Yeah. They didn't do the gel rub. They just like, yeah, we'll just connect a pipe between our two ships. Whichever uh, part-time writers they brought in for this episode were not up on uh, Enterprise technology. Stuff. Yeah. Uh, not only... Does Daniel's tool allow him to walk through walls? It also allows him to repair cow- power conduit J37 in under five seconds. Yeah, he didn't bring another tool there with him. Nope, he just went in there so, and came out in a second. So clearly that same tool does the job. Very impressive tool. That's all I have. Yeah. Other I have something that might help with that. It won't help me not get killed by the Suleban guy. <laughs> right. I'm not going to like hide in a wall and ambush him. <laughs> but I could fix that power conduit so fast. Uh, best actor, little bit unusual here. Uh, I gave it to F. Murray Abraham in Star Trek Insurrection. <laughs> nice job. Good what the work. Suleban guy reminded me of. Well, but he's getting all those procedures in the beginning and everything. Yeah. yeah. And then I thought, oh, I like that character better. Yeah. And that movie was terrible, too. That's not a good movie. Yeah. Uh, worst actor, T'Pol, as always. She's bad. She's just so belligerent all the time. She's a real bitch. She I can sucks. say that, right? I think so. Okay. She's a bitch. Uh, did Ben have anything else important to say about the Enterprise? Uh, let's we get see. Out? It's kind of all over again. Um, the Archer is gullible as shit. Yeah. He wants to know how the guy fell out of the uh, Bombay door. Yeah. Like, like, doesn't seem like gravity should work that way. But yeah, I'm, I agree. I mean, the guy jumped out without like putting a mask on or anything either. So. Right. Yeah, not so great. Okay. Um, 
I mean, he thinks it's interesting that time travel is real and people are messing with us. I think we all gave it some world building points for the idea of the temporal cold war. Even, even if though it we sucks. all think we don't, we don't want it to be here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, you get points, but we don't, don't do want it this anymore. Show. We want a different, better show. Yes, and we've mentioned that you would settle for Space Rangers. No, I think so. Yes, but yeah. I haven't seen Space Rangers since I was nine. So who still, knows? I think you would still settle for it. Yeah, I probably would. All right, what's uh, the score? So uh, twenty-five. So it just beats out the Nagus as this week's worst episode by a single point. Wow. If you had found even one point in either take or execution, it would be tied with the Nagus. That's how bad the Nagus was. You double blanked the top half <laughs> of this episode. I do again. I don't. My intent is not to break the system. I just, you know, it still scored ten more points than Move Along Home scored last week. That episode was broken. It's a bad episode. Yeah, it scored more than the Deep Space Nine episode Q-less. Uh It scored more than the Voyager episode Time and Again. I don't even remember that one anymore. Um, ninety percent sure that's the one where they put on the red, orange, and yellow sweaters. Right there with you. I got the it. Power reactor. That was terrible. Uh, it scored better than the Voyager episode ex post facto. That was the one with the dog witness, right? <laughs> That's the dog witness episode. <laughs> so, uh, uh, it did, you know, worst episode this week, but. <sighs> yeah. Uh, there have been some stinkers. But boy, wouldn't you rather watch that red, orange, and yellow sweater episode again? Sure, yes. Oh, then, Compared yeah. to this. I mean, okay, yeah. Score aside, I really did not enjoy watching this Enterprise episode. Yeah. I just... These are hard to watch. The aughts must have been a horrible time. It seems like I should remember it, but... I feel like I'm I'm piecing it together like an archaeologist or something. The aughts I mean, were terrible. Sucked. Nine, there, there was such as 9-11. That's right. That was not good. Right. Not a good and thing. And then we got, we got in kind of a weird place after that. Ugh, not good. And we um, wanted dark TV, I guess. So, winner of the week, TOS? TOS. Um, you gave it your highest score this week. I gave it my highest score this week. That's and then it was a tie between TOS and Enterprise, weirdly. By the way, he actually kind of liked this episode. Oh, no. Uh, this week. So, uh, all all around. Uh, no, no, sorry. Uh, I misread that. He actually gave Enterprise nine points this week. No, me too. It was Voyager that he gave. <laughs> okay. Uh, tw- 22. Uh, uh, but yeah, sort of undisputed champion this week, uh, TOS with the Corbomite maneuver, which is one of the sort of memorable episodes. Yeah, I liked it. Oh, that was fun. I mean, look, Kirk bluffs about having a device, and then he's sick of their foolishness or whatever. <laughs> <That's> exactly, yeah. <laughs> and he tires of their foolishness. He finds it tiresome. Yeah, uh, so not, I get not a total surprise that the Corbomite maneuver won. Yeah. Um, but it did, and so that is its third win. Nice. Um, so now the distribution is five for the next generation, three for the original series, and one each for Voyager and Enterprise. Still shocking that Enterprise won a week. Yep. And that's shocking. how the first ten break down. A 50% win score for uh, TNG. for the next generation. Hey, DS9, can you please pick it up so I'm not so miserable every two weeks? <laughs> 
Jesus. This episode was hard to watch. Luckily, I remember nothing about the... Oh, wait. No, nothing about the next episode based on its name. Okay. So, what do we got? next week, we are watching The Menagerie Part 1 only. Oh, I'm excited. So, in some cases, two-parters, we watch. We have to watch both parts. Yep. Um, this one aired separately. Okay. So, we... Uh, watch it separately, and I think that'll be an interesting challenge because it's not going to wrap up. That's a good point. <clears throat> huh. Let's think about that off air. How we want to approach that? Yeah, I, if we slam them together, though, I'm going to have to rework this whole spreadsheet. Yeah, no, we won't. We won't slam them together. But let's think about what what we want to do about that. Yeah, just in terms of the aims. Uh, so that's what we're watching. Um, this, of course, contains the. Our first pilot, the cage. Yes. Yeah, all the important uh, scenes from the cage. Yes, all sort of all the main elements of the cage are contained in the menagerie. And a sweet uh, futuristic wheelchair that is much worse than a regular wheelchair. It's worse in every way than the wheelchair that existed in 1967. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, for the next generation, we're watching The Big Goodbye. Oh boy, that's a problem. It's it's a dump. <laughs> it's a real dump of an episode. <laughs> Okay. We got a string of pretty bad ones coming up here. This one is dump. Uh for Deep Space Nine, I don't remember it. Maybe that's a good sign. It's Vortex. No idea. No idea. Yeah. I assume there's a swirling thing at some point. Yeah. But it so I thought my first thought was, oh no, it's uh there's the Dalrock episode. That's not. It's a different episode. No, isn't that one just called the Dalrock? They didn't even bother. Uh, it's called the Storyteller. Oh damn it. That would have been That'll cool. be week thirteen. Huh. Uh, Voyager, Heroes and Demons. Uh, no, I got nothing. Is that the one the, with the stoplight, maybe? The name is familiar. Okay. But given that I have no memory of State of Flux... Yes. And in fact, when, when State of Flux started and I saw Seska in it, I'm like, she must die at some point, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Because, <laughs> like, I don't think she's in it the whole time. Yeah. Uh, then it turns out that in this episode she beams away and who knows how many times... She'll pop up again in a Sela like role. Right, right. Uh, anyway, uh, for Enterprise, Silent Enemy, which I assume is about gas. <laughs> That's right. That's what I'm calling it from now on. Oh, no, man. Sorry about that. Silent Enemy. Silent Enemy. You mean silent but deadly? No. This nope. is different. I know what I said. Silent Enemy. Uh,. Next week, we will uh, likely do a mailbag, although, you know, as you know, every so often we get a bug up our button to, like, a video game music episode or whatever. Yeah, so. whatever we want is next week. It's free play. Who knows? It won't be Star Trek. Yeah, thank God. Uh, particularly since we are closing in. This is almost the three-hour Star you Trek You know, I kind of assumed promise. you were vamping to get to three hours. Nope. <laughs> I will say, and I apologize, I don't know why I was off when we started. <laughs> You're, like, I sleepy. Feel like there's a lot more. Like, I didn't get into it until we started talking about the Negus, really. Oh, boy. Which is, which is weird, because it's such a bad episode. Yeah. I didn't say anything at all about why it's weird asymmetrical sweater. And I know that's the kind of that thing has that one, just... one epaulette only that's made of the same material as the collar, the <laughs> turtleneck collar. I didn't... Uh, yeah. You take Listen, detailed costume notes. I don't know why. This time through, I'm really, like... The, it's the first time the next generation that I've really watched it in HD. Yeah. Uh, and I'm I t I'm generally watching it on my computer monitor, which I'm pretty close to. Right. Like, close enough that I don't need to wear my glasses. 
uh, I don't know what it is, and but you I'm really about getting all the stuff about the Ferengi getups too. I'm really listen. I saw them. T- I saw them when I was watching that episode, and I was like, "This is mariachi, kind of a mariachi look these guys have. <laughs> like they're not they're not ornately embroidered in a way that looks good. They're they're made of very bad fabrics, but it's definitely mariachi inspired. I also thought this show must have been a like a, a boon for short character actors. Oh yeah, the Ferengi and everything. They're oh all, man, they're all like five four and under. Yeah. So, like... Well, they can't... One of them can't not be, because then he'd be a giant. I already didn't like that your favorite guy, Gronk, was pretty buff. He was He was certainly an odd Ferengi. He was, like, stout-looking. He was scary a little bit. That guy could have been a fullback at San Jose State. That's right. You're good. I'm glad you made that caveat. At San Jose State. At San Jose right. State only. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, everybody. We're going right. to get out. I don't know if it's a uh, pure three hours. We're going to call it three. <laughs> It's not. It's going to be, it's, we're like at around 2.50 right now, and uh, that's fine. No need to add 10 minutes of nonsense. Uh, the spreadsheet is online. Uh, if I haven't linked to it from brotherdate.com, I meant to. So That counts, right? They can still access it if, or, you meant, if you meant to do Or it. it's supposed to be there. Okay. One of the two. All right. Uh, tweet at me if you can't find it. And that's, um, you can tweet at brotherdate. You can uh, go to brotherdate.com. And you can find us on the iTunes. Leave a cool rating. I think someone left one that said we talk about Star Trek a lot, which, um, you know, is fair. 100% true. Yeah. And then uh, we'll see you all for free play next week. That's right. right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. (laughs) How long until Arsenal of Freedom? That's right. Uh, And that's still another 10 weeks away. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, that's really crushing news that you just told me. <laughs> yeah, sorry oh, about that's that. that's bad. Uh, uh, we'll get to... Please subscribe.